This podcast recorded live from the Urban Fly Company Studios. And we are back for another week of the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Thompson. Across the table from me, we have Urban Fly Company's Mark Burns. To my left, the man on the board, Chris Sims. And in our guest host chair tonight, we have Derek Smith. Hey, glad to have you on the show tonight, Derek. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Um, this evening's guest will be Camden Glade. He's a fisheries research specialist from Minnesota. I'm going to keep it about right there because there's <laughs> a lot of goodies yeah, he's, to go he's over. A, he's a, well, he's a, he's a biologist, and there was a lot of big words uh, when I looked at all the <laughs> things he had going on. So we're going to keep it right there because I don't want to mess it all up. Um, and this is what you can expect to hear on this week's podcast. Uh, our trip down to International Angler, Mark did a uh, seminar on bucktail, and that went great. It was pretty awesome. Thank you. A lot of good content in there. I think everybody took something from that, myself included. Um, they even had fat guy waiters. Uh, yes. <laughs> Mark's, <laughs> Mark's going to give in an overview of his presentation. Uh, we're going to get to know Derek a little bit better. and Because uh, I think Derek's going to be a face that we're going to talk to pretty frequently, like Jim. You know, one of these guys who's going to be sitting around the table with us all the time. Uh We'll take a break. Um, depending on when Camden gets off the water, uh, he's ice fishing right now. So mm -hmm. uh, we yes. might throw a few things in, you know, might get a little mixed up here. But we're going to get back with Camden, um, get his background. And I'm sure all of us have just a ton of questions on what he does. Um, we're going to do a little gear review today. Uh, we'll talk about his uh, Chris's new Sims. Um, that's a little bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it is. <laughs> the, uh, Mark's going down to Muskie Max. We'll be doing that again in a few months. Yeah, there's another <laughs> new Sims coming in June. That's right. Hey, hey. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks, man. Heck yeah. I'm terrified. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> if, if you don't get enough sleep now, you're not going to get any more sleep for a little while. Quarter. <laughs> Thank God that can't happen for oh, me any longer. Man. Mark's going to go down to Muskie Max. Uh, Mark's going to be selling flies for gear guys and and fly guys. So go down there and check out Mark and the Muskie Max, and we'll uh, get a little into that. Uh, Kelly Gallup will be in the area. I know that'll be – there's some other, you know, uh, cabin fever, some other things mm -hmm. coming up we're going to talk about. Yeah, that'll be coming up the end of this month. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the FT3 FT in Franklin coming up, as we will until it – happens until it's over yes absolutely, absolutely. and uh might do some super bowl picks tonight so uh but before we get to all that mark who are our sponsors we've got sims fishing we got to check out a lot of their new stuff last night in the new g3 waders i was looking at them guide waders too that's a really nice pair yeah so a little less down from the g4 g3 range but that's a sweet pair of waders new boots were nice i know with the uh 2023 line coming out a lot of these shops have got some of the waders on clearance and you can get a good price on them. We also got A-Rex Hooks, fresh and salt water. Find them both. Yeti, built for the wild. And Cortland Lines, go check out their musky lines. I've been really loving the Sink 8, Sink 4, 500, 600 grains, and awesome lines. So check them out. Nice. Uh, we got friends of the show, Ryan Evans from Queen City Guiding, Michael Davis, Down to Earth Wealth Management, and Tom Shank, Chippewa River Custom Rods, and as always, Musky Fool. So, do we want to get into our trip? That we went down to uh, International Angler for a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about the day. That was fun. It was we a fun day. That was a great time. Spend a day together. It was a good time. Mark and I haven't spent a 12-hour day together in 
Been a long time. Yeah, a long time. It really has. It was fun. Took a long ride. We've taken some long rides. Don't yeah. get me wrong. We were, what, stuck in a car together for 13, 14 hours? Yeah. yeah. A couple times. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. Got to your house early. I had to drop my kid off at a uh, bowling alley party. So, between the bowling alley and Mark's house is... Like three and a half miles. Yeah. I, I had to stop for gas. And in the gas station, there's a Pizza Joe's. So, you know, and they had the, you know, just the window pizza that's been sitting there forever. I grabbed two breakfast pizzas, you know, pieces of pizza. And, uh, oh, man, it, it didn't even make it to Mark's house. <laughs> Neither, you know, I scarfed it down on the road, and uh, which is literally two miles, maybe. Get to Mark's, and hell, we had a great time. Just We were shooting the shit the whole time, too. Yeah, it's like, you know, hey, let's, let's not take the interstate. Let's take the back roads, kind of. Uh, let's look at the creeks, drive over. We got plenty of time. Stopped to the place on the way down. Got there a couple hours early, probably two hours early. And kind of messed around in the shop a little bit and looked around. It's, you know, we don't have any really close to has quite the setup like that. No. This shop has so much stuff. I mean, from Sims, Patagonia, Rods, everything, Scott, Winston, Sage, Heliosis. I mean, you, you, they got it all real wise too. And just being able to look through and see some of the stuff that you always see online or in pictures, but never get to see in person. It's, boy, I tell you what, some of them able reels though. Mm. Oh man! Wow, <clears throat> and well, that's gorgeous. It, man, and you know what? I one thing that I was really surprised at <clears throat> is. Holy cow, there were a ton of people in there. Yeah. There were a ton of people in there. There were a yeah. ton of people in and out. I mean, it was The whole time was, we were there, at fun. one point, I'm like, hey, let's just go sit out in the truck. Because there's not a lot of room yeah. to move in there once like everybody gets going. I'm like, let's just go sit out in the truck. We're kind of in the way. We're waiting at this point just for everybody to clear so we can kind of spread some stuff and set up a table for me to set up at. And It was it was nice to see. I mean, it's, it's a, that's, that's a good good looking shop. It really it is. is. I really did not have that enjoyable pre-experience. I, uh, you were no, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, yeah. I want to hear about this a little more because this <laughs> this is one of the funnier things I heard. In order to get my uh, my green light to go down again the night before podcasting, <laughs> the weekend before tying night and podcasting, <laughs> I had to uh, take my family to the IKEA. His wife's getting used to her trying to get oh, used to her schedule. Oh, IKEA, yeah. Huh? yeah I so can for you. took a six-year-old and a three-year-old to IKEA. Which, don't ever do that. So they had to touch everything, so we bought more stuff than we intended on. <laughs> uh, my, my wife had a great idea for a closet system. She, uh, we got there, and she's like, well, what are the measurements we need? And I went, uh, it's this wide. What happened was. What, yeah, what had happened is we left all that shit there. And we left with like a blanket. Some kitchen appliances, uh, a belly full of meatballs. And you did get the Swedish meatballs? Yeah, I got a, I got a couple. Oh, um, okay. I thought you uh, said no Swedish meatballs. My kids wanted to try them, so I got to eat two of theirs. Oh, there you go. And then we went to, uh, so we had like two hours before. I wanted to get there like 3.15, 3.30 to hang out with you guys to do a little shopping because my last waiters have, as we counted them, six pinholes in them you could see my sweatpants what pair did you buy i bought the freestone waiter pants from last year's model oh sweet nice. right. you did say nice. that in the way there you, you bought the pants that's right yep that's i right. bought the yep. pants because 
Uh, I think the only time I wade anymore is getting in and out of your raft. And yeah, that'll I, be perfect for raft. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I any those. boat fishing, it's great for. Yeah, and they were on yeah. sale for two hundred bucks plus. They had a percentage off because they were last year's models. I might end up going back down in a couple of weeks and buying a pair of boots, last year's model boots, because they yeah. had fourteens and fifteens down there. Nice. Yeah. So and you could probably even call down too and get them, have them just send them up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know. Just what gas is? You can be six and one half dozen. I'm pretty but sure. Then you get to go down and buy some other stuff and look around though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be told that we're going to. Back to Ikea once she figures out her measurements. Those those Freestones aren't terrible waders. I've had my Freestone Zs, the one with the zippers, for five years. Well, and, I mean, I've put them... I mean, I've, I walk through a ton of shit. Well, and all streams and all kinds of different stuff and beat them as hell as... You know, they, they've been down to the Niagara a few times and got the shit beat out of them down there and ice and everything else. And, yeah, they, and they hang in. If the water's above 60, all wet wade. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, so there's, you. there's maybe a half a dozen, 10 times a year that I'm getting in and out of a raft. Sure. When the water's below 60. It's either my boat or a boat. So I don't need them a lot. So I didn't want to spend $400, $500 on a pair of the G3 wading pants, yep. which are awesome. But I just, yes. didn't, I just didn't need I, them. After looking at them, I think my next pair is probably going to be that new guide pair that they started coming out with yeah, last year. I like that one, because, too. Because, you know, let me not... The G3s have been phenomenal, and I love them. I've had them sent back a couple times now to have seams done and what have you, but, I mean, you know how much I wear my waders. I, I'm one that wears them all the time. Yeah, you've worn so. them in my boat. Oh, yeah. Mark, Mark <laughs> it's, it's, it's 79 degrees, and Mark's in a pair of fucking waders. Yeah. For real. Yeah, I, mean, I was probably 75 days or so, and they're a few years old, so they got a couple hundred days in them. Yeah. I mean, reasonable. I, and they're holding up still pretty well. But you had the G3s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that I, guy pair's nice though. They're yeah, they're the, yeah, the new ones. They look pretty uh, cool. Yeah, really. I, I I really think I want some too. Mm-hmm. I started when I started saltwater fish. When I started fishing, I was in uh, neoprenes because back in the early '90s, that was what you fished in. Mm-hmm. And you oh just, sure. You just made some and camo. You, they had to be camo, right? No, mine were. Were uh, they pro lines? The big Hodges, brown ones. They, they were the. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hodgins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poop brown hodgepodge. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go. Exactly. That's, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they're like, oh, look, we have Sims came out with the Gore-Tex, and they were great. And then I went to their guide series, which were great. Uh, and then, so I've had two or three pair of those. And then I went to another competitor's zip-up, which were great. But, I mean, I had, I don't know, 150 days on them, and I just started getting pinholes in the legs. And they were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so it was just time to switch off and... I don't like wearing full waders, so the waiter pants are perfect for me because nice. I've got a, a belly that I can now just tuck the waders in under the belly, and that belt's not going anywhere, so we're, we're, pre- we're pretty safe. <laughs> but yeah, they had a l- I'm with it. They had a lot of stock in waders and boots. Oh, and they really couple, did. A couple of the jackets, man. Oh, Everything. a couple of the jackets I really wanted to look into. Jeez, that one jacket was super sweet. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, that bulkly I don't even, one. Yeah. That's a really the, like nice. The one. Nice shell. Oh. That's where we that might get into an airing of grievance for me is all the nice jackets are waiter jackets, waiting jackets. And since I've got a forty three inch torso. It's gonna barely cover your nipples. You should, it doesn't cover my <laughs> belly button. You should look into um Man, even the uh, the Challenger jacket, like yeah, the one that, that goes nice. with that, uh, it's it's a little longer. It it hangs well, mine. Pants. I mean, and I I have a medium, and it still hangs down lower than my ass, 
with the waders. So that's even the um, I don't know if you need the insulated one. I have to have the insulated one. I don't. Yes, that's what I mean. You're already <laughs> insulated. Yeah, quite. Um, so. But I want a Gore-Tex. I, 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 you might. Yeah, this is the the, the one yeah. that I have is Gore-Tex insulated. Oh, nice. It's 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 sweet, but. Yeah, they had that 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 one CX. It isn't the guy series, a, but the there's CX. a non-insulated yeah. one that it's there. It's not that bad. I mean, it's it's. A, I built a layering a, a, system over the years that now. Keeps I got me, keeps I, me toasty. I actually warm. got the rain jacket, the Challenger rain jacket from Musky Pool. Yeah, there yeah, you go. I love it. I have the Challenger Listen, bibs, and I love that. I wanted those bad. I keep looking yeah. at them. I'm close to Mark. Didn't you win a Challenger set at the Beast? Uh-uh. No, the, I want a pair of hook ones. I, that's right. Rick. Yeah. No. You won two pair at the hey, Beast. Right here. He, he actually put it because I threw in all my tickets for the Challengers for, and one of the guys actually won, won both the pair. Yeah, he won those <laughs> this past year. Yeah. No, the year before Rick oh. won those Challengers. Not, who won the host? Who uh, runs? Dixon. Who run Dixon. Dixon, Dixon run, I think I think year. he won both sets of Challenger pants this year. That was like I threw a pile of tickets into it and I never got them. I know oh. they're not a sponsor, but I love seeing Mark and those hooks because they're like what extra larges. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't wear them too okay. often. I thought you guys were saying monster. hooks. You're saying hucks. Huck hook. The yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. make great pant pants. Nice, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, International Angler, great little shop down there. Oh, they have uh, everything. Yeah, and back to that. I've, I've yeah, got it. So if you need to sneak a set out of there, I go to the airport all the time. Just call me up, and I'll pick them up for you and bring them home. I might do that if I don't. <laughs> if I can get out of going Serious, IKEA, that, I'm totally that's why that. get you out of IKEA. I might be able to hook it's you up. So please. So Mark, the reason we were actually at, and we'll get back to the International Angler and a uh, little bit more. That was kind of a little touch into the, some of the gear talk. Even that really was, you know, yeah. uh, but the reason we were there is because Mark went down there to do a seminar for Bucktail, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark, just give us a little bit of an overview of what went into, you know, just what you were gonna do, how you laid it out to yourself before you did, you know, before you went down there and, and set it all up. Give me the beginnings, and and then get into us, you know, getting down there and you putting it on. Yeah, I guess a lot of it started to come from just sitting at the vice and tying and thinking about what am I doing here? What do I need to, you know, portray or what do I need to kind of put there to build this picture for how you need to build a platform of your fly? And what are the different ways that you can take the bucktail? How do you manipulate the bucktail? Because everyone's going to be different. So what I did was try to essentially take bucktail, explain the different variances of it, the different fibers in it, how them fibers are used, and a lot of just things over the years that I've learned that have, you know, I mean, just when you start tying and you start tying one at a time and you tie a couple here, you you have kind of a, a level where you're at. Then once you start tying a volume of them and you sit and you tie 50 or 100 on top of each other, there's certain things that you start doing that you learn. And then you tie a few hundred of them and you don't stop. All of these things build up over time and you start to learn these little things. So, like, as I was getting close on, like, the Buford I built, I left it. So the end of it was really close because there was a lot of things that I've learned over time that's like, okay, at the beginning, if I got into this situation, I'd be panicked. I'd be freaked out. What, I'm, the fly's going to be dang near screwed up now. I spent all this time on it. Now I learned how to work through that. So I kind of try to take everything that I've learned over this time and condensed it to a reasonable amount of time. 
but covered everything that I could bucktail-wise and why I do it the way that I do it. Because there's, like I said, there's many ways to skin a cat yesterday. There's, you can do it this way, you can do it that way. There's a reason why I do it. And the reason why I do it is volume and consistency. I want every single fly coming off my vise to look identical, and I want it to swim the same. It isn't like this is going to be okay or that works okay. No, I want it to be as, as close to I can. There's always variances with feather and with bucktail. The amount of, so, uh, not to cut you off, but the amount of variance that even you spoke of yesterday and even the way to tie a fly like that, being even more rounded or how you're doing it mm -hmm. with between up and the top and the bottom. You hide a lot of that variances in there, and it's not visible, and it doesn't affect the fly and the swim rate of it doing it. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I like the way you put that in there. Is, you know, it's not just has to be this way. But you know this way works for me best, and that and it that was that was really well put into all the the presentation. Yeah, and having a platform like that where it's tied top and bottom the whole way throughout, it then it gives it that vertical profile. So once you're working with the head and the tail, now everything in between is always going to want to slide back and forth for you. So if you put a Buford head on it, you only need a certain amount, and once you learn that certain amount, that's what causes it to go around and create the action. That's going to do that on any of them. If it's circle and it's wrapped around, it's going to do it. It's going to do the same thing. But it's a wider diameter. It's not going to turn on a dime. It's going to turn a little bit wider because of the width of the body of it. So it allows you to work with that head and use less fibers and manipulate a little bit different. But then once you go to a narrow head, now that body's already ready to cut. If you don't do anything with it and the head's narrow, it's going to do nothing. It's going to come straight in. So if that head's narrow, then you put the weight in the back of it. The middle of it's going to do the same. The head's going to cut straight through. Now the back's going to push itself through. So now you're just going to keep walking it there. If you want it to jig, put weight on the front of it. The middle's going to do the same. But this way you can go ahead and manipulate every fiber in. So you're going to have some fibers, you know, the, the junk fibers, that are harder to hollow tie with or wrap around, what have you. This is going to allow you to utilize all of them. You can hide them in there and get rid of some, but this will allow you to take a lot of them fibers and actually build a whole body out of it and still get a perfectly good fly that's going to work exactly the same every time where a lot of them fibers aren't going to be manageable there. So it kind of just went through this and broke down everything bucktail-wise that I could as best I could from what I know and tried to portray that over to everybody there and try to make their life a little bit easier and cut some of them learning curves off that I went through over the years. Yeah, and we had a pretty good showing. You had 12 to 15 people showed up, listened, a uh, couple people. That weren't, that weren't us. Right, that weren't us, that really asked a lot of questions. There was a couple, yeah. Uh, but we met, we met some real cool people. Uh, who was it? Uh, Will. Will and Derek. Derek. They fish yep. a lot together. Not yep. this Derek, different Derek. There's Luke. Luke, uh, the guy that, I want to say the other guy behind the counter was Max. I'm not a smart man, so if that's not your name, Max, Sorry. Uh, I was good for a couple, then I got a lot all at one point in time, and then I was like, crap. Yeah, yeah I was good here. there, and then I got like nine names in a row, and now I'm like, And I talked yeah. with, talk with Ben a lot. Ben was in the audience with us. He's from uh, he's from the area, and he really needs to start. Yeah, was he local here or local down there? Or? Local down there. Okay. And uh, he wants nice. to stick a muskie, and I told him he's going south where he is for the muskie, and I said, come north. You know, find me on Facebook, get a hold of me, we'll go fishing, because he seems like a pretty solid dude. 42, no kids, nice guy. I mean, you can have kids and be a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, we, yeah, we all have them. And we're all kind of, <laughs> we're all kind of okay guys. Um, who was the? Uh, uh, I mean, he looked a little younger. I mean, I you know I look a lot younger, and I'm 40. Uh, uh, guy 
like the podcast or whatever. And yeah, that was, and that was Ben. Ben, okay. Man, yep. man, thank you, Ben. Thank yeah. you for listening, man. That's that's awesome. Uh, glad we're putting out some content that everybody's really enjoying. Yeah, and Raz was there, too. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, Raz. Raz, Raz, <laughs> Raz, Raz, Raz was okay uh, the other night. Well, I finally yeah. got to meet him, and that was, uh, you know, I've heard a lot about him, and I'm glad to have finally met him. Yeah, Chris is good and I'll dude. And I'll see him at Muskie Max, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm coming down for the Saturday of Muskie Max. And I think I think Chris is too. Yeah, I think Chris will probably be there both days. Do you want to come down Sunday, Jay? Oh, I'll be I'll be hanging out. Yeah, I gotta I you know I like I like shaking hands and kissing babies because we had quite a few people listen to the show last year show up. So if Chris is gonna be there Saturday, Raz will be there, and then Sunday he's only got two spots behind. If you want to come down Sunday, yeah, man, I'm I'm in. And you I'll can sit in. on my lap hey. on Saturday if you come down. Hey, you know I <laughs> I probably never even mind. know he's there. <laughs> We're gonna need big chairs. For me, like you know, you have you have a future in something. Right. You can put them <laughs> in on something when you retire. <laughs> you can just perch on your shoulder like toucan Sam. Up oh there. yeah, and <laughs> exactly. buddy, I'm not gonna retire until I'm yeah. seventy. I won't have my you last. You feed me fucking crackers all day, bud. <laughs> I won't have my last kid out of college till I'm 67, 65. I haven't my done that God. math because I'm not interested in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Good luck. Yeah, so. but it was it was a great presentation. Well Thank attended, you. lots of good questions, and I think you knocked you know, the we're, cover off I think the it's, ball. I mean, gonna, it's one of the things where, like, as I like got to do it now, like today, sitting there tying, like going over my head, it's like, all right, I need to do, like, next time, like, structure this way and do this. So I, it's, you don't really know going into it how to quite do it. Then, like, once you start, just like tying, once you start doing it, it's like, okay, I need to do this, I need to do that. And I think there's some things that I can improve on moving forward. But all in all, I think I covered everything that I wanted to well. It was really nice. You had a lot of bucktail on the table. And you could show people, you know, what you were talking about a little earlier about the different types of, you know, some some is crinkly, some is, you know, that works and, and, and has a little hollowness to mm-hmm. it. Will kind of flare and is really good for like a hollow fly. Some has well, a lot of hollowness to it. It's really going to flare. And what I did first is straighter. I did like a just a standard, I don't even know what you call it, but I just did a straight back tie, hollow tie, and then a couple bulkheads just so I can see it. Because all my musky flies are either straight back and then reverse tie. So at least that shows you here exactly. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. But one thing, too, like hollow in comparison, obviously there's a lot more time. There's a lot more thread. But it's a lot better for, you know, showing profile for saltwater flies and still getting breathability in there. But for musky flies, reverse time's quicker. It's cleaner. It leaves a nice platform to work on. It's Sure. You can move through. But a lot of the time was spent focusing on that, so I made sure to at least cover the other stuff and how and where and why you use it as well. Yeah, and uh, one last thanks to uh, Derek when we were there for our after after show BS session. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Dude shows up with beers. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> thank, thank you very much. And thank you for dinner after when we stopped. That was a no. that was a good oh, dinner. Oh, absolutely good Had dinner. Good place. Double quarter pounder with pork belly and a fried <laughs> egg on it. I can't. Believe oh, that was a good burger. You yeah. ate most of that. And then Jay ate I the literally rest had of like your burger. <laughs> I had one bite that I pulled the rest like, of the pork like, belly off and stuff. It was a good size like, bite. I'm, I'm done. He just reaches over. He's like, I'll finish it. That's okay, good. I'm man. I, I, I said I, I grew up around a couple fat guys at Grandma's house, you know, cooking. And you know, if you didn't go in and eat fast and get your shit done and 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 work on your next plate, then you weren't getting any more. So, you know, raised around fat guys, I, I know how to eat. I eat like a fat guy. I'm just skinny. It's not my fault. 
I'm jealous. Yeah, I, I, me I, too. I, I, <laughs> me too. You know, if I could be, if I could look like you guys, you know, gain 15 pounds, I would I would just love that even. But I look at food and gain 15 pounds. Um, yeah, I, I feel so. That. We probably still have about what 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, 10, 15 we minutes. So 10 we'll take minutes. a quick break. No, we're gonna we're I I would like to uh, cover a little bit about Derek before we get into. We it. don't we're gonna have enough time yet. No, you don't no. think so? Okay, we we're are we'll way just, too. Okay, close we'll right get now. back to Derek then. I guess when uh my my. I'll be here. My producers are telling me I have to get uh, keep moving no this way. show along. So we'll get back to Derek and get to know Derek a little bit after we get to our guest, Camden Glade. And we are back with Camden Glade, fisheries research specialist out of Minnesota. Um, and we're going to get a little bit of a background story from you, Camden. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So, uh... How did you get into your uh, field, and was it fishing that pushed you there, or was it your field that pushed you into fishing? Yeah, I, I like to tell people I've been a fisherman a lot longer than I've been a scientist. Um, I grew up fishing for bullheads and panfish off my grandpa's dock, uh, and then that kind of transitioned into family vacations up north where we did a little bit more uh, bass and pike fishing, and then uh, did some bass fishing with some buddies growing up and fished for some pike and some walleye as well as some bass in, in college, and it's just kind of gone from there. So have you, uh, do you, is it primarily, you're primarily a, uh, a gear fisherman or a traditional gear fisherman? Yeah, I, I've dabbled occasionally with some of the fly stuff, but uh, I currently don't own any, any fly gear, and uh, it's all, all gear and uh, some ice fishing for me right now. So, so was it the background from a young age that drove you to the career you're in now, or did you stumble into that kind of like when you got into college, or how did you get to this career at this point? Yeah, I think the the fishing side of it has always kind of been there in the background. Um, I didn't always know that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, in coming out of high school, I kind of knew that I enjoyed science, and I had always been a pretty good student, so I. I decided to try to do the pre-med thing uh, and that lasted about a year and a half and I decided I was spending way too much time inside and not enough time outside with that career trajectory so I, I kind of shifted gears there. Um, yeah just kind of growing up fishing and then you know any kid cleaning fish on the fillet table they, they always end up cutting stomachs open and looking at yeah. what fish we're eating and trying to become better anglers that way and i was certainly no different so that all kind of led to where i where i am now so was your first job then like out of college directly in fisheries or did you go into something other than that no so i i shifted gears in my sophomore year of undergrad to fisheries and then from that point on every like summer job that i ever had and any full-time jobs i've had have been directly in fisheries so I did a research assistantship through uh, University of Notre Dame, actually, that first summer, and then spent a couple summers working with Iowa DNR uh, in seasonal positions. And then prior to starting graduate school up here in Minnesota, I actually moved out to Nevada and worked at a trout hatchery for just over a year. So having being in, in other states and working in so many other areas, do you notice that a lot of the areas work kind of conjunction they work similar or is it vast different once you get from state to state uh each state has kind of their own differences but generally speaking they kind of do things fairly similarly um this is such a small field when you get into it that 
you know, even when I was working in Nevada, um, the my boss out there actually went to the same college that my advisor in graduate school did in Wisconsin. So everyone kind of ends up having similar training regardless of where you end up. So a lot of this stuff ends up being pretty similar. So so explain to everybody what exactly it is you do now. Yeah, so now I'm a, a research assistant or research specialist at Bemidji State University, uh, wrapping up what's been a four-year project looking at the diets of muskies, walleye, northern pike, and largemouth bass in Minnesota lakes. So is this study essentially derived for understanding what predators eat, or is this derived from, let's say, like the catch-keep limits in, you know, prior history over the last few years of, you know, walleyes and what have you? Yeah, so this actually stems back to, oh, it's been probably five to ten years ago now. Uh, the Minnesota legislature actually had something come up where uh, there was some kind of anti-musky sentiment that was going around the state. Uh, the DNR was trying to uh, stock muskies in a few additional lakes to try to spread out the anglers and create more opportunities in different parts of the state. And they, they ran into some pushback from uh, both some public input groups and then from like lakeshore owners, uh, homeowners associations, lake associations. And that ended up working its way up into the legislature. Uh, if it, by the time it was all said and done, nothing actually happened with that, but it did kind of indicate to biologists in the state that they really needed some additional information, additional data on uh, how these predators are interacting in lakes, especially given that, you know, between muskies and walleye, uh, there's a lot of these fish being stocked in a lot of different lakes throughout the state. So knowing how they interact, uh, if they're eating each other, if they're eating the same things, if they're able to coexist and thrive in the same lakes, or if having one um, might be a detriment to some of the others, uh, that was all stuff that they were interested in learning. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this study. What does a, a typical day look like for you? Yeah, so a typical day is usually more like a typical night, at least when we're in the field. Uh, usually we're getting to the lake, oh, about an hour to two hours before sunset, uh, getting a boat in the water, and then we're doing some nighttime electrofishing to try to capture the fish. So we're on a boat that has a generator powering an electrical system that pumps some electrical current into the water, and that basically just stuns the fish uh, for just enough time that they kind of they roll up on their bellies and if it works right they float to the surface otherwise they kind of sink down towards the bottom uh, and then we're able to scoop the fish with the net and bring them on board put them in a live well and then once we have you know a good handful of fish in the live well we'll we'll stop the boat and uh, pump the stomachs to see what they're doing or what they're eating so we just use a bilge pump and lake water to flush the stomachs out and as the water pressure builds behind anything they've eaten recently, it gets forced back out the same way it went in. And is that the same Is that the same procedure for all the fish, uh, no matter what species they are? Yep. The electrofishing looks a little bit different depending on what species we're targeting. Uh, for everything but the muskies, we're basically able to just drive around in the shallows with the, the electric, electricity running all the time and uh, we're able to get a sufficient number of fish that way. But uh, because the muskies are so much bigger, they have a bigger lateral line and they're more powerful swimmers, uh, they can actually feel the electricity from farther away. 
So uh, what we typically do there is we'll drive around with uh, everything running, but there's a, a kill switch on the front deck of the boat uh, and we'll leave that turned off. And the people up on the front of the boat will have spotlights that they're shining into the water and we're just looking for muskies that we're able to identify while we're driving around and then we'll maneuver the boat over top of the fish before we engage the kill switch and then we're able to shock the fish uh, at close range without giving them a heads up from a distance and that's how we're typically targeting muskies. So you said like recent food how how far or how old is that typically that it goes back is it like past a day or typically within a day that's being Sorry, the volume cut out there. Could you repeat that? Yeah, um, the you said like the recent food. How like how far back does that go into a fish? I mean, is it like a, a day or two, or is it usually within like a few hours the, before the fish is broken down too much? Yeah, that's a little bit complicated, uh, just because fish are cold blooded, so their metabolism changes with the water temperature around them. Uh, typically, you know, if you're talking about a muskie that's eating something big, you, you're probably looking at a couple of days, even in peak summer temperatures. Uh, if you're looking at like bass or walleye who may be eating like dragonfly or mayfly larvae, uh, those may not last quite as long, especially in warm temperature, just because uh, there's not as much mass to break down and there's not as many hard bony structures as some of the bigger fish would have. So are you finding like with the muskies, a lot of the fish like you're getting like right there at dark, are they recent, fit, like recent eat or is it tend to be fish that, you know, they're kind of coming up in and starting to peruse a bit and a lot of what you're pumping out, you know, been in there for a bit? It's probably about a 50-50 mix of the ones that have food in their bellies. So about throughout the course of the study, roughly half of all the fish that we've handled, regardless of species, have had something in their stomach. Uh, and then, you know, of those half that have had something in their stomach, about half of those typically have something that's been eaten fairly recently and we're able to identify it pretty easily. And we are incredibly sorry. We had some technical difficulties. Sorry that got cut off. But we are back with Camden and we are talking about what we find in muskies' stomachs. Now, you were just saying that in 50% of the fish, you're not able to recover any stomach contents is that correct yeah that's right about, about half the fish and that's for muskies and the other three species as well and then of the of the half that we do recover something uh, about half of those have eaten something recently and we're able to identify it pretty easily and the other half have digested things a little bit more so it takes a little bit more work to try to identify and measure what it is that they've so I guess the million-dollar question that everybody wants to know is, what's the consensus? What do you find the most of? Yeah, so in terms of numbers, uh, it actually ends up being bugs for the most part. Uh, that's especially true for largemouth bass and walleye. Uh, in terms of uh, fish, uh, the most common thing we see in a lot of the Minnesota lakes is yellow perch. Uh, that really seems to be driving the, the food chain, at least for muskie, northern pike, and walleye. Uh, they're not quite as important for largemouth bass, but that really drives things for the other three. Uh, and then there's a few lakes we've sampled where there's not much for a perch population. And in those lakes, uh, other panfish like uh, bluegill and crappie tend to be more important uh, instead of perch. So when you, when you encounter uh, a bigger fish, is the old adage, uh, big fish, big meal, still pretty accurate? 
sort of. It's not quite that easy, though. Um, we do see more big meals from the bigger fish, but they're probably just as likely to eat a couple small perch as they are to eat a big sucker. Uh, they're just able to eat some of the bigger stuff because they're that much bigger and they're not limited in what they're able to eat. So beyond the uh, the perch, what kind of diversity do you find between all the predator species that you get to, uh, you know, clean out? Yeah. So it's one of the more interesting things we've seen throughout this project actually really doesn't even control the species. Um, basically, in every lake that we've been in so far, northern pike and walleye diets are really similar. Uh, and that's almost always yellow perch. And in the handful of lakes where it's not yellow perch, it's a combination of uh, sunfish and crabs. And that holds true pretty much across the board for the 12 lakes that we've looked at. Uh, for largemouth bass, they're eating a lot of crayfish and then other aquatic invertebrates. And then they're also eating some sunfish and perch as well. Uh, muskies are actually kind of the outlier in this study where they actually have kind of the most diverse diet uh, across, the, across the board. So beyond the perch and the sunfish that we've already talked about, other things we've seen in relatively high numbers have been uh, some bullheads, uh, some large and smallmouth bass, uh, white suckers have obviously been pretty important, and then northern pike was another one that's actually been pretty important for us as well. Uh, and then in a couple lakes, uh, especially this past year, we actually started seeing some more cisgoes in some of the diets. Uh, especially for muskies, but also for other pike and walleye. Do you typically find many reptiles at all? What's that? Do you, do you typically find many reptiles in the muskies? Uh, we haven't seen any reptiles in the muskies. Uh, we did see a couple snapping turtles in bass diets. Uh, for the muskies, some of the other stuff we've seen have been uh, birds and muskrats, uh, and then some amphibians as well, some like frogs and salamanders, that kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to ask, how how frequent, and I mean, there'd probably be a time of year thing, do you find, you know, waterfowl, like young waterfowl, you know, ducklings, uh, goslings, whatever, right, be yeah, called? Sure. Uh, right. Yeah, so typically we see that kind of stuff, both the birds and uh, the mammals, typically in the fall. Uh, this last year, we did see a couple a little bit earlier kind of in the summer with the small ducklings. But uh, for the most part, when we're seeing some of that stuff, it's you know, later in the fall, into September and October. Hey, so you're on seasonality. Um, do you actually see a, a density change or like a, a consumption rate change from season to season, or is it pretty consistent year round? From what we've seen so far, it's actually been really consistent year-round uh, for all four predator species. Actually, there really hasn't been much difference uh, season to season. I would have thought maybe in wintertime it would have died down a little bit, so that you don't actually see a decrease in the amount of consumption going on through the winter then. So I should clarify, we, we haven't done any winter work. Ah. Uh, we end up getting too much ice up here to be able to sample anything during the winter. So our, our sampling time frame typically runs from April when ice comes off to late October when the ice starts to form on some of these northern lakes. Have you noticed any, uh, so if you, uh, since you are a muskie fisherman, you understand this, so lunar tables, 
Have you noticed any more fish in the bellies, fresh fish in the bellies of any of these predators during, you know, good majors and good minors, or is it generally consistent throughout? It does tend to go in waves. Um, I can't say right now if that's related to any of the moon phases or anything. That's actually something I'm hoping to look at here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I will say it's actually been most true for walleye, but a little bit for pike and muskie as well, where uh, it seems where we go in streaks where either just about every fish has something in its belly or hard to handle them. So here's here's my big question. How has this changed your fishing? <laughs> um, I would like to say it has changed it a lot, and I feel like I'm a much smarter angler because of what I've seen. But honestly, I, I don't feel like I've changed a whole lot of my fishing. Um, if anything, it maybe gave me a few pointers on different spots on some of the local lakes that I'd like to try just because I get to see what's actually down there, not just what ends up biting a, a lure that I throw at them. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I, I still tend to throw a lot of the same baits in a lot of the same areas. Hey, man, if it's anything like my experience with electrofishing, all it does is humble you because you realize how much you don't catch. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You yeah, know? it's uh, we sampled Lake Bemidji just right here in town. Uh, that was in the third year of the project. So I had, you know, three, up to three years of, open water fishing out there and even beyond the muskies, uh, just the numbers of walleye that we saw in the lake that I hadn't been able to figure out how to catch at that <laughs> exactly. point. Exactly. Incredible. And then you throw in the muskies on top of it and it makes you want to sell all your gear. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anything about these fish. <laughs> I think part of your problem, Derek, is, is you couldn't electroshock all the logs underneath <laughs> it and the stumps. You didn't know where they were. You're very, always hanging very on. Very true. Them. I have a nasty habit of catching every stump in the lake. So, okay. So here's a like on on the lakes that you're shocking. Do you have ones that are higher pressure than other ones? That like angler pressure, some that are heavily pressured, and do you have other ones that are not? I'm sure there's some differences. Um, just because of how many lakes we have throughout the state, uh, we don't have good numbers on what the actual angling pressure on a lot of them, especially the smaller lakes are. Uh, I will say the first year of the project, one of the lakes that we sampled was located right in uh, the Minneapolis Fall metro area. Uh, and I can just tell you from being there sampling the week after the 4th of July, that place is a bad house in the summer. Okay. So I, I can't imagine the number of days that the fish on those lakes experience. And then you get to some of these more northern lakes, and uh, it's a lot quieter all throughout the summer. And it's, it's pretty nice to be able to go out there and, and do our work in the weekends without have to worry about seeing different people out there fishing in some of the same spots that we're trying to go. Gotcha. And the, and the reason I ask that is I don't know if you've even noticed or maybe made it there, if it makes a difference, but. On the lakes that are higher pressured, since you're going out in the evenings, does it take longer for them fish to come in? Because they're used to people being there and they're used to being hit, do them fish take a little longer to come in back in, you know, in the evening time? Yeah, I don't know that I really noticed the difference there. Uh, even on that metro lake, it seems like you know, once the sun went down, it really gets dark, you see the first fish particularly. Okay. Answers that though. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, 
You say, Derek, you had some other like some deep questions into it too. Yeah, well, I wanted to go back to the sampling real quick. So I I noticed you were saying earlier you, you hunt a lot of t- at nighttime, and um, you were talking off air a little bit about running two rings. So do you, you want to kind of go into how do you actually shine and catch a muskie with electricity? That was that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, so a lot of it, you know, uh, with an angling background, just watch enough YouTube videos, you read enough magazine articles. You like to think at least that you have an idea of where fish like to hang out. So uh, typically we'll go to you know, some uh, big feeding shelves with lots of, lots of weeds and lots of rock cover, uh, different shallow points that stick a long way out with some water access close to them. Some of those kind of classic fish meals spots and then usually what we do we have one person driving the boat in the back and then two people standing on the front deck with spotlights and we're kind of just cruising along in the shallows anywhere from the shoreline out to as deep as about 10 feet in some of the really clear lakes that we built with and those people up front are just shining spotlights back and forth kind of from their 12 o'clock out to 90 degrees on either side of the boat and just looking for fish, and you know, if the water's clear and the wind is calm, we can cruise as fast as four or five miles an hour some nights, just to really cover some water. Uh, if it's uh, darker water or there's a little bit of a chop on the water, we kind of have to slow down so that the fish don't stand out quite, uh, quite as easily. But we're kind of just cruising around looking for fish, and as soon as we see one, uh, the driver tries to maneuver the boat directly over top of the fish, uh, try to get the fish right in between. The, the two handles that hang off the front of the boat, and then there, the people on the front of the deck activate the bait switch, and that uh, starts the electricity, and then that, that stuns the fish and allows them to scoop it with the net, hopefully, as long as the fish doesn't kick out of the electricity uh, when it first gets hit, because we've definitely had that happen to us. So does it go up or does it go down? And most of the time, when you're when you're when you get the two probes between it, like instant stun or are you like diving into the water trying to grab it with the net as it's going deeper most of the time it's not too bad uh usually they'll kind of kick off out to the side and then kind of roll on their bellies and then depending on if their nose was pointed up or down when they roll on their sides uh, they might dive a little bit deeper um uh, we've had fish that you know i've dialed so straight down to the bottom of seven eight Maybe even as deep as 10 feet. And wow. We've been able to get those fish just because we have really long net handles on our on our poles. But we so also have the other ones that will get hit by the electricity and shoot straight up out of the water like shivers. That would be awesome. Did that's you... always a rodeo to see if we can corral that fish after it comes back down. And so did you ever light yourself up, or have you been lucky and have avoided that so far? Well, we've, we've avoided that so far. So we've got uh, big lineman gloves that the the net dippers always wear up on the front, boat, front of the boat. Just in case, but, um, yeah. We also have big you know, safety rails all over the front of the boat just to make sure everybody stays dry and on the right side of the electrical field. Safety first, man. I hear you. But I know that when I've done it in my past with streams, let me tell you, when you have a hole in your waders, you find out pretty quick. Uh, yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> so... Hey, while we're on the topic of electrofishing, um, have you ever found what? Ever uh, had any really cool species show up? I mean, I I remember catching some big flatheads 
on the river around here before. That was that was an awesome. You know, you're you're out for your target species, but have you ever come across a cool non-target? Yeah, I guess we've been really lucky that basically all of the really big fish and most of the lakes that we've been on have been the target species. Um, that said, the coolest fish that we ever brought on board that was a non-target was uh, uh, big mouth buffalo from one of the systems in the western part of the state. And so they've actually done some research in recent years on some of those fish trying to figure out how old they live. And they've actually seen that some of those fish can live over 100 years. Wow. Uh, so that, that fish that we brought on board, uh, I'm fairly confident that it was at least a there's probably a pretty good chance that it was even older. That's amazing, man. So uh, when you guys are, are out and about and uh, you're looking for, for bass and walleye, some of the other ones, you were talking about you had some bugs, and I had a little history with bug work. How do you identify, like, regurgitated bugs, man? How do you how do you even get into that? So I've been really fortunate to have some awesome interns helping out on this project throughout the years. And several of them have had some previous experience looking at bugs. So I really relied on them a lot to, to kind of figure out what a lot of the most common uh, prey items to invertebrate prey were. And then what we actually did is we just made a, kind of a cheat sheet in uh, PowerPoint where we had a slideshow with pictures of some of the most common ones that we see. And then uh, a nice little answer for how to identify those for some of the folks like me who spent their whole life working with fish and really haven't taken any classes and done any work with invertebrates. So I'd, I'd like to tell you that I have these great reference materials that I've used to try to figure out how to identify all that stuff, but that's just not the case. I, I really rely on some other people to show me the world. So. Don't blame you. Do you guys ever uh, find yourself using any other, you know, like sonar, uh, you know, just normal technology that the rest of us fishermen use to help yourself in finding fish to electroshock? Uh, most of the time we're in shallow enough water that we really don't use it much. Um, a lot of it is more so map work. So either ahead of time before you get to the lake with that, either like a, a map chip on your sonar unit that's going to be on the boat or even going up with an avionics app on your phone or something and looking at some of the key areas that you think are likely to hold fish uh, and then really trying to focus your energy there. Um, we've had some lakes that have been as small as you know, two to 300 acres, so it's really not difficult to make a full loop around the shallows of that lake at night. But just this past year, we were on Bass Lake just outside of the Hopi, and that lake has over 15,000 acres of surface area. So we really had to kind of narrow our search down a little bit to try to pick areas that look the best ahead of time so that we were spending our time in the most efficient areas without wasting our time searching through bloody water. Do you tend to see many musky fishermen out there at night? It kind of varies by lake. Uh, some of the more clear water lakes, especially lakes that have deeper mussels, uh, you'll tend to see a few more anglers out there in the evening. Uh, and then that metro lake uh, down towards the Twin Cities area, uh, I'm assuming just with some of the recreational pressure that that lake sees. Uh, a lot of the hardcore musky heads were out there, I think, as well. So, you know, <clears throat> of all the things that you found, you know, in, in, a, in a fish's stomach, per se, 
Uh, what's the craziest thing that you found that just dropped everybody's mouth in, in the whether what fi- whatever fish it was? Yeah, so I always yeah this this one's crazy, and I I'm pretty sure people don't even believe me when I tell this story, but I I tell it anyway. So uh, we were out and we brought a largemouth bass on board and pumped its stomach, and I I can't even remember if it had any fish or bugs or anything in its belly, but what it did have was a small little like half to three quarter inch diameter uh, clear disc and that was actually the lens off of one of my intern's headlamps that had fallen (laughs) off the night before (laughs) that's awesome i don't know if it fell off straight into the water and the fish saw it kind of fluttering down saw the spotlight shine off of it and Surfed it up then, or if the, the sunlight caught it the next day and the fish surfed it up on bottom, or what happened. But that was far and away the craziest thing we've ever seen on a fish stomach. Yeah, that's not. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where that one was going to go, but I'm glad it went there. That was, that was yeah. great. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, if if you had if you had your druthers when you're musky fishing, and now that you know what's in their guts, uh, are you throwing big flies? Are you throwing small flies, or uh, or or you know I don't I don't know what you throw uh, on on the gear end of things, but are you throwing bigger or smaller? I guess I'm trying to throw something that I can throw the most amount of times in a given day, um, especially since I spend enough time fishing for other stuff. I don't quite have the the shoulder muscles built up like some of the strictly musky fishermen do. Uh, so I'm trying to throw something that I can throw over and over again, just to keep my face in water as long as possible. Um, seems like something in like the the five to eight inch range is usually a pretty safe bet, uh, especially if you're looking for just uh, a bite or two, as opposed to really hunting for a truly giant fish. Uh, if you're looking for a bigger fish, you might have a little bit better chance with something a little bit bigger. Uh, but that said, we've seen plenty of really big fish that have yellow perch or sunfish on the smaller end of the size spectrum of our bellies. So there's nothing to say that one of those really big fish wouldn't hit something on the smaller end as well. So do you, uh, you know, knowing and seeing all the, the things you see, are you using a lot of natural looking lures? Is it is it going to be a yellow perch pattern, you know, maybe fire tagger, or do you like white, black? What, what, what kind of, uh, does that effect does that have on you yeah i i tend to throw a lot of the same stuff uh just like a lot of musky fishermen we buy all these different baits and then i got cycling through the same five or so just about every time you go out um i do tend to lean towards uh, more natural patterns just because of a lot of the lakes that i'm fishing have really cool water uh, so i feel like that gives me the best chance um i also like things that have a little bit of contrast so whether that's a, an all black or an all white uh something that will stand out for the fish and then also i do that for myself as well just so i can see the bait coming back into the boat and then you know start looking behind the bait as soon as possible to see if they get engaged with the bait following up that so i mean we've hit on musky a lot but if you had one day left to fish what are you fishing for what's your favorite <laughs> um well, it really depends. I, 
I'd like to fish for whatever's biting more or less. Um, <laughs> Good I answer. I don't get to spend enough time on the lake to really enjoy getting spent. So I, if I can go out and catch a bunch of fish, I will. Uh, especially this time of year, I'm a sucker for trying to find some big bluegills through the ice. And then we're getting actually really close to one of my favorite bites uh, for burbot through the ice. Uh, so that's, that's a bite that only comes around, you know, during the winter season and it's a window is usually pretty short so i try to take advantage of that bite as much as possible when the time comes around now is that something you're waiting for them to come into a certain point and that's or why is that window so short yeah they tend to concentrate uh prior to and then during their, their spawning uh, so they actually spawn under the ice typically around the second week of march in this area so in the you know, a handful of weeks leading up to that, they'll start to concentrate in areas where, you know, just outside of their spawning areas, and then you can target them a little bit easier, and you have pretty good chances at catching multiple fish in a weekend. Nice. So, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the question you get from everybody. What's the biggest fish you guys have shocked? <laughs> so, the biggest fish we've shocked was just a hair under 55 inches and we actually shocked that fish twice over the course of the year we shocked it once in early may when it was full of eggs and weighed well 40 pounds and then again uh, in august uh, it was a lot leaner at that time of year but it still had plenty of weight on it it was a, a super healthy fish so with that said you, you caught that fish more than once you do you feel your mortality rate is, is not very high when it comes to electrofish? And obviously you're thinking amperage and hitting fish, uh, it can be tough on them, but do you think you get a lot of good survival rate? Yeah, it sure seems that way. Uh, we get fish that take away pretty strong uh, way more often than they don't. Um, That's awesome. And yeah, we had sold a lot of the times when we're working on musky lakes as well, uh, we're working with the, the DNRs biologists in the area and typically they're interested in uh, putting eggs in a lot of those muskies so that's about the size of a grain of rice and it's pretty similar to like a microchip that you put in a dog or a cat and so we're actually able to check a lot of the fish that we handle to see uh, if they have a chip already and then we can go back to our records and see if we've handled that fish multiple times and there's been multiple fish that we've caught more than one time over the course of the year. You beat me to the question. I was frequent flyer four different times in the course of the year. I was just going to ask how many times, how frequent do you catch certain ones over and over again? That's awesome, man. That's it's good to hear. Yeah, so it, it sure seems like the mortality rate is low. Um, that's another thing I'm hoping to look into here down the road is to touch base with some of those biologists and see if we can't. Uh, pull all of our data together and see if they've maybe been back on the lake uh, for another population estimate since we've been there and see if we can take a look at what the survival rate of some of those fish might be. So ultimately, you're coming to the end of this study now. How did it turn out? Were you able to accomplish what you wanted out of it? Were you able to get the information, you know, for the walleye or what have you with the state? Was I mean, where did it end up at? Or can you speak about it if if so? Yeah. So we, we actually have a paper that we, we just kind of finished up here shortly, so that should be getting finished here before too long. Uh, but basically what we found 
throughout the study is that uh, muskies are eating basically whatever they can bring on, but they're not limited uh, by size of prey, uh, like maybe some of the other predators are. Uh, we saw that northern pike and walleye diets were really similar uh, throughout the study, and they really feed in on general perch. Uh, so that'll be important for biologists to monitor going forward. Uh, we've already been starting to see some changes in the yellow perch populations throughout Minnesota. So if that trend continues, that might be something that would uh, potentially cause some concern for those species. Uh, and then kind of the, the big one that a lot of people talk about is whether or not we saw walleye in the diet of muskies. Um, we did see three, but we handled well over 300 muskies. So it, it ended up working out to one walleye per 109 muskies. Uh, that we recovered prey from. Uh, and just to kind of compare that a little bit, uh, we found 17 walleye in northern pike stomachs, and that worked up the one for every 44 pike that had a, something in its belly. So between that and then looking at how pike and walleye diets compare, it certainly seems that uh, pike might pose a bigger threat to walleye populations throughout the state than muskies too. No, I know with like pike and muskie, it's obviously eating the same species easier for them to digest. Is that the same with walleye? Do walleye eat a lot of their own too? Uh, they eat a few. Uh, we only saw, I think, seven throughout the study. Um, so not quite as many as we would maybe expect, but uh, not some well. of that could be seasonal and just where we're able to sample as well. So with like everything you said about this, how much the perch is being died on by the walleyes, with a walleye, you know, obviously taking off exponentially in the Great Lakes, that would have a massive impact on the perch fishery in the long run then too, wouldn't it? It could. Um, basically what we've seen in a lot of the lakes is that just because uh, pike and walleye are eating a lot of perch doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the perch population can have trouble because of that. Uh, a lot of times we're going through it shallow water areas, especially in the spring, and there's hundreds upon hundreds of yellow fish that were shot in as well. So it certainly seems like the numbers are okay. Uh, and so, you know, having having an abundant predator population could be an okay thing just to try to keep the numbers down a little bit and reduce uh, within species competition for the perch so that they might be able to grow a little bit faster. Uh, you just don't want to have too much mortality from predators on top of, you know, selective mortality of the largest individuals by anglers. Uh, that's where you could start running into issues with fish population. So realistically, in your opinion, how many acres do you, or how many fish, we're speaking muskie, do you feel like a, a lake can hold? I mean, obviously, that's probably going to have a lot to depend on the bait, though, too. Is it like... Can they like a muskie an acre is healthy? Is it a muskie every two or three acres? I mean, what's what's healthy for a lake? Assuming yeah, so assuming the, the the diet. There's right. a, another biologist working on uh, something that will hopefully be able to answer that a little bit better. Um, yeah, it, it's really dependent on you know what the what the state of the lake is in. Uh, so you know, talk about invasive species that can have huge impacts on the whole food web and and what available food is out there. Uh, you look at just the, the different number of predator species and then the numbers that they receive. And then what the potential prey base could be. It, it's really variable, really like, specific uh, what the numbers would be. 
we are working with another biologist from the state that's hoping to use some of our data and then some population estimates on some different ways to try to get at that question a little bit. You know, speaking of um, invasive species, what are you running into the most of? What what issues or what problems are the most invasive species? Yeah, in the lakes that we've been in, it's been zebra mussels for the most part. Uh, I know in different parts of the state they have spiny water fleas as well. Uh, that can really cause issues for young perch and walleye is what it sounds like. Uh, so far, with the, the zebra mussels, at least in a lot of the, the larger lakes in Minnesota, it seems like the, the numbers of fish uh, are pretty good still. It just is changing when and where fish are hanging out. Uh, Some of walleye are actually kind of be a little bit shallower, kind of hiding in weeds, uh, rather than being in a little bit more moderate depth where people just be able to, to target them. Uh, that said, those zebra mussels are really filtering out the water like that, so that can have the, or causing problems for the really young fish of all species, especially like for uh, walleye and yellow perch. So that's something that uh, biologists are monitoring as well. So what's, yeah, I and mean, I guess you might not even know that, like the the long term of it, but what is the long term of, <coughs> excuse me, the long term of kind of like these dead zones from the, you know, where the light's getting through and penetrating to where it never had and should been before? I mean, is it causing areas that where fish are no longer kind of residing? Or are you losing parts of the lake because of that? I don't know that we're necessarily losing parts of the lake. Um, that is typically driven more by temperature and oxygen. Um, what we're kind of seeing so far with a lot of deeper mussels clearing up the water is we're seeing weeds that are actually growing out or in the lakes uh, all the way down to you know over 20 feet depth or 20 foot depth in some lakes where there's vegetation growing on the bottom. Uh, so that uh, could be good where it's providing oxygen during the warm water months. Uh, on the flip side of that, all of those plants start to decay when you get snow on top of ice in the winter, and then that's where you can run into issues with winter snow. So it's it's just something that we need to monitor going forward. I know there's lots of folks working on that currently. And are there any um, <clears throat> like stocking? Do no, where your research affects stocking programs in those places, or you know, is it mostly just natural reproduction? Yeah, so quite a few of the lakes in Minnesota are stocked. Um, in terms of our research affecting stocking, I don't know that it'll have much to do with how fish are actually stocked. Um, that other project that I talked about earlier, even um, the population estimates, that's much more likely to have an impact on stocking rates. Uh, basically, what we wanted to do here is just provide biologists, both within Minnesota and you know, surrounding states that are doing similar things, uh, with the best possible data on what muskies and those other predators are eating, uh, so that they can make informed decisions on what fish to stock or not to stock, and you know what uh, prey species to monitor to make sure that there's enough food for all the mouths that they have to eat. Hey, I, I did a little Instagram stalking, man. I appreciate it. Your uh, page is very cool. Um, I saw on there you, you referenced some isotope and how does, uh, like, the isotope analysis when it comes to, uh, as opposed to, to pumping the stomachs. Like, 
Do you want to go into that a little bit? I was kind of interested in how does that work? Yeah, I can, I can try to give a little bit of background on that. Um, that part of the project has actually been led by, uh, by a, or a professor and some undergraduate students from the University of St. Thomas down in the Twin Cities. Uh, that's, it's all part of the same project, and we're working with the same biologists from the DNR, so I help them collect samples when I have time, and I bring them out on the boat to help me with field work as well. Uh, so basically, the difference between the two methods, uh, the gastric lavage, or the, the fish puke that I'm working with on my end of the project, that's really just a snapshot of what fish are eating, uh, so that can give you a pretty good idea of what important prey might be in any given system. But, I mean, that's also a little bit dependent on sample size and just the timing that you're there. Uh, if we happen to be on a lake in the fall and we catch 15 muskies, but one of them ate a muskrat and one of them ate a bird, it's pretty unlikely that the actual percentages that are playing out throughout the lake are going to be reflected by that sample size. Uh, whereas the stable isotope set uh, is more integrated over time. So basically what they're doing is they're taking tissue samples from the kind of the dorsal muscle of the fish. And those uh, tissues, they integrate uh, basically everything that the fish has eaten over a given period of time. Uh, that is kind of dependent on chlorine and water temperature and everything. But, uh, you know, you're talking about on the order of months to maybe a year for those fish as opposed to a couple of days uh, for the stuff that we're getting from their stomach. So they're able to use uh, basically a strict chemical ratios in the tissues and then uh, they sample everything from plants and bugs in the lake all the way up to the top predators and then they're able to uh, look at how the food web kind of shapes out based on the chemical ratios of each sample and then get an idea of uh, where where these different fish, these predator fish especially, are getting their energy from. Very cool, man. Hey, I just want to say congratulations on the paper, by the way. I know that took a lot of effort and time, so uh, congratulations on getting it done. Yeah, thank you. It, it definitely was a process. I think we first submitted it uh, back in July, and we just heard back within the last month that they were going to accept it. So definitely a long process. I'm, I'm glad to be done with that one, but Looking forward to the next one. Awesome. So if uh, people want to stalk your Instagram, what's your Instagram for the people? Yeah, uh, so I, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, I am kind of running low on videos, so I didn't go down here before too long. But uh, you can find me at Camden Glade on Instagram. Uh, otherwise, you can just search the hashtag fish and I'm one of very few people that have ever used those. I use it quite frequently, so I should pop up there. I also share some stuff on Twitter uh, at aglade underscore fish side, if you want to check that out. Uh, that tends to be a little bit more uh, scientific, a little bit more uh, jargony, I guess, for lack of a better term. And a lot of the Instagram stuff tends to be more fun videos and pictures and that kind of thing. And uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on tonight that you would like to touch on that you uh, you get to see or you get to do? Uh, no, I guess the last thing I would say, um, especially for maybe some of your younger listeners or some of your listeners have kids and think that, you know, my job sounds really cool and they think that they or their kid would be interested in it. Uh, 
don't be afraid to reach out to me through social media, send me a message. Um, I can't say that I know everything, but I know a little bit, and I've had a pretty broad range of experiences. So it's kind of work with fish for a living. Uh, getting involved with the science side of it is something that you'd be interested in. Uh, send me a message, and I can, I'd be happy to chat with you and kind of share some of my experiences and try to help you out as much as I can. That's awesome. I've got a 13-year-old who's heading that direction, seems to be, so might be giving you a call. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, well, thanks, man. We really appreciate uh, you coming on and also suffering through our tech issues that we had earlier. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks, guys, for having me on. That was a great time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, man. Man, we're back. Camden Glade was great. That was yeah. a good. That was a good talk. Uh, very informational. Uh, man, I'm gonna throw natural things for the rest of my life. To hell with white. <laughs> unless there's unless there's a white bait. Oh, I guess I guess a shad kind of looks white. I don't know if we have a lot of shad in the area you're in. But uh, that was that was every day. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, they perch all look every black day. from down there. <laughs> <laughs> the color only goes so deep. <laughs> yeah. and big. In the uh, water. <laughs> that's great. So we uh. <clears throat> we had to go and get into uh, you know Camden a little bit. We got we cut off uh, getting to know Derek, and uh, we're gonna get to know Derek a little better. Uh, you know, Derek, get your give yourself your background a little bit and how you got into fishing, fly fishing. Uh, how'd you get down the musky uh, rabbit hole, and uh, you know how'd you how'd you meet us? How'd you end up in the across from me at the podcast table? Your wife, as as you've pointed out in the past. So <laughs> randomly walk in one day to get a haircut with my son and and. I said, hey, I was in the fishing, and she said, hey, my husband runs a podcast. I said, no way, and the rest is sort of history. So I started listening, and uh, you guys had a fly tying night and uh, came down, and the rest was kind of history. But my background, uh, I've been fishing since I was little, but bass ponds and trout, always was into it as a kid. Dad, you know, hey, we ready to go. I was always that one more cast kind of guy. And so from the young age, I got, I got hooked. Um, I remember my first muskie. I was bass fishing uh, near a, a, on a lake near the golf course. And I remember my first follow from the muskie off a dam. And ever since, I've always been interested in figuring out how I could catch them. I was, uh, you know, I did gear work there for a little while. And, and then when I found about you guys, I, I wanted to learn how to do it on the fly. Um, my background is a biologist by trade, actually. So I, I went to Syracuse and spent some time learning about fisheries and aquatics. And then <clears throat> I did it the ass backwards way and, and started learning how to tie flies before I even knew how to fly fish. So ironically, I, I learned the bugs and then I learned how to fly fish them or how to tie them. And then I learned how to fly fish uh, from one of my buddies, got really big into salmon and and uh, trout for a long time, and then met you guys. So, what did 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 the bugs just come from like learning everything, and you just got interested so, and wanted to make them because of learning them, or why did so you just start? So, I, I went off bugs? as a biologist, right? <laughs> so, it's a it's a good question. So, I went off a, to to fisheries biology degree, and uh, I ended up taking an entomology course and was pretty good at it. And next thing I know, I was TA, and then was into aquatics, and before I knew it, I had a crap pile of, of credits in entomology just because it was something that just stuck in my head. I don't know why, just 
ironically, it was bugs just stuck there. You know, some guys it was trees, it was me, it was I knew bugs. So, man, great guy to have around when you're walking the Brook Trout stream. <laughs> man, I tell yeah. you, you need to get with Ted one day. Yeah, that'd be awesome. yeah, that would be awesome. I don't know what it is, but it's somewhere in a neighborhood of like two hundred and fifty thousand slides. That's crazy. Of every single every every point everything That's it is awesome. absolutely yeah, ridiculous the yeah amount. i'd love to see some of that i used to have a, a really big bug collection uh that i donated to allegheny college i had like 500 vials uh <laughs> that i used as a reference guide uh back in the day most of it was from upper new york state going to syracuse i spent a lot of time in the adirondacks collecting samples up there yeah. uh and that actually led me into my first job uh was with the Creel census on, on Lake Ontario. And then I got into West Nile virus, uh, cause I, I knew bugs and then I ended up with DEP and that's how I ended up moving over on the Western half of Pennsylvania. Cause I'm originally from the Scranton area over in the Eastern half. So, you know, being around all those bugs and being in all the places those bugs have been, were you always, did you always have a rod in your hand? Were you, were you trout fishing? Were you thinking trout when you were catching bugs? Were you always, thinking fish that yeah. were in the water? Like, yeah. I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. When you're electro fishing for trout, it, nothing more humbling than with running electricity. You go through with a rod and reel to try to catch them. You're out there throwing a bug, throwing a fly. You catch a handful, right? And then you come back in and hit it with electricity and like a hundred pop up around your feet. You're like, really? There's <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing more humbling than going back through a hole and be like, I had no idea there was this many there. Uh, so that was, that was really, in, you know, cool experience but i've always joked around i'm like as a biologist the coolest thing about being a biologist and you're a biologist but when it comes to your paychecks it was like uh, every guy wants to go out and, and stomp the streams and so uh wife said one day hey i'm pregnant and i said oh sh i gotta figure something out so long and short is is i ended up doing um, more emergency response uh and getting into that sort of thing so i haven't done the biology work in probably about 10 years now I do love it. It is a passion of mine, but uh, the bills are, are paid better doing emergency response stuff. Now, de define that for people that might not know what that means. So I, I'm a health, safety, and environmental professional now um, for energy companies. So what I do is, is I put programs in place for like safety, or if there is uh, an environmental event that happens, I, I clean it up. I professionally get into knowing how to get it cleaned up properly. Um, and, and pretty much I build the rules to keep us out of trouble. Nice. So, you know, some of the experiences you got to have with, you know, with, with us here, the crew, uh, you know, go through some of them, some of the fish we've caught. I mean, I know, oh, Mark. you know, getting into the musky game and getting into tying the flies and the endeavor that just that whole experience is, uh, you know, Talk a little bit about uh, that, your first muskie experiences and stuff. So I remember getting into the muskie, um, you know, chasing them, having them first few follows, getting a couple really good bites, not getting them into the net. Uh, you know, Mark was there for my first one, which was awesome. Um, but there was this the year the before. The, yeah. The, 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 the first three before that. Yeah, <laughs> at least. And the there's the one in the creek, the one <laughs> at the beast. And the 1,600 the stumps before that. Uh, but yeah, the, the one at the beast, that one still breaks my heart. Oh, that was, that was a great fish. 
Uh, she came in on the eight, like just started going into the front side of that eight. Uh, and it was, it was a big fish. She ate and I got what I thought was a decent hook set in, but I had a pile of, of line at my feet. And all I could think of is, is that I'm stepping on the line and I'm trying to like two step to get the line out from underneath me as she turns and goes under the front of the boat. So I'm throwing the rod over the edge of the boat, trying to get her out from the front of the boat at the same time, like dancing in the, and Mark's getting the net coming up. And as soon as he gets the net, pow, she comes off, man. I, I thought I was going to cry right there. Uh, but that was, that was a big fish. That was a real big fish. Um, it, how many, what year was that? Do you guys remember? Oh, was it two? 20, yeah, 20? It, was, it was a couple was, of seasons ago. Three years ago. Yeah, it was, it was three years that, ago. It was on that Super Windy Day, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, no, it was the day before the, day the before. Super Windy Day. The Super Windy so Day, we got pinned years. up against the wall. Three years was, ago. That yeah, was so when that I was, was at Friday. the wedding. Yeah, you had yeah. you missed that but one. But I came and hung out with you guys on yeah, yeah, Friday yeah. night before the wedding. And, and the then... The food was still amazing, by the way. Oh, yeah. Every year. Yeah, that was, that was the Friday three years ago. Not last year or the year before, but the one before that. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a great fish. Uh, you finally did get made it happen. I did. I did. That was, that was uh, shortly thereafter. It was, it was in the spring. Uh, we were out, and uh, I was a full cast, so she, it ate on the very end, so it wasn't even, you know, got a good hook set into it, brought it in, celebrated with a cigar, that was that day you caught that monster largemouth. Yeah. That was a huge We were on mouth. a run right before yeah. that, and I was like, dude, you got to go now. And then finally, like, we made a morning. Like, all right, I'm going to get out. Let's go. Yeah. And it's sure it wasn't long after. It's like, white. White's been working. You're like, you tied up a yep. tied up a white with a packerini tail. Yep. Yep. You who weren't. We weren't there maybe like 45 minutes in that morning. Bam. It was still like, even in the picture, it's still like green, and it's so dark out. And yeah. that was the the week after you got that 47, wasn't it? Yeah, it was shortly after the 47, yep. Yeah, and then a couple... You might have caught that fish 15 feet from where I caught that 47. Yeah, that's well, a good spot. Yeah. Uh, and, and then got into several that summer um, on, on another lake just north of there. And um, then I ended up getting a new job. And the last year or so, I've been kind of busy and hadn't hit as much water as I've always wanted to. But we get out when we can. Um, we ended up last winter on that float trip down the one one creek, and uh, I hooked up hooked another good one. And uh, that was, was that. A, is it is it a creek or a creek? Potato, potato. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was on a river pig. I remember that because Mark handed me one. He's like, "Here, try this." It was the first time I had run that fly before, and and that had a, it was a river pig with a big dragon tail. Yeah, on it. another another packerini tail. <laughs> so. You know, What's funny about that is that fish that you caught was 15 yards from where Ryan caught his last one, and Mark had just said, hey, try this out. Yeah. Tie that on. So was it a river pig, too? <laughs> it was a river pig, but it had a shank and a hook. It was uh-huh. just a three-piece. Yeah, it yeah. was, too. Yeah, 15 yards, about. Yeah, yeah that I, she was another good one. We, weren't, we contemplated pull anchor, chase it. That was... Had it on for a little bit there with you, me, and Chad, and it was a good day. We caught a Chad got into a bunch of northerns that day too. No, not uh, that day. Well, it wasn't. I thought it was no. the same day. No, no, I got a fish that day, same day. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, the, a couple the, casts later. The right? northern was the trip before, yeah. right? Yeah, a couple. Was a, yeah, maybe three casts after you lost that fish. I yeah, I caught yeah. that one. Yeah. Yep. 
And then uh, I wasn't there, but I've heard the story. Yeah, and uh, that's I love that place. But it's a very nice place, beautiful. So that's a little bit about me, man. Uh, I think I answered a lot of your questions there, but sure. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna keep it rolling with with some more. Uh, just a little. So the first time you were at the Beast, you were on Mark's team, right? Yep. And you yep. stayed up to camp. Every every you know everybody loves the camp. We're all this. Uh, that's absolutely. The, that's the headquarters for what the SBS that? fly fishing. Me, you and uh, Chad crew. that year. No, and it was just me and you. just two of us. Just yeah. two of us. We were casting yeah, all day. Have you only fished a Beast one year? Two. Two. This Two. past year. This and past that's year. That's right. You fished right. it. Yeah. Because the season in between fell on the salmon trip that I had promised mm-hmm. my son his sure. first trip okay. up Lake Ontario for so salmon. So that year with me was your first year. In yes. Then this past year. And okay. that's where I was yeah. going to segue into. You You know, fished with you the first year. And so this year, let's get into this year a little bit. You got to fish with Bam. I did. You know, that was and awesome. uh, Jim got to fish with Bam and he told us his. You know, Bam. through his eyes. So go ahead and talk just a little bit about Just watching Bam cast. Just, just at the end just of the day, and just, all that stuff. just watching Bam cast was awesome. Uh, you know, it was it was a good experience. Uh, Pennsylvania did what it normally does, and that was a tough beast this year. Uh, oh yeah, humbled all of us. Uh, everybody. <laughs> at least our, at least everybody from our camp. Yeah. That, well, that, you know, really we ate well. We drank well. At the end of the day, you know, we did a little bar hopping too this year. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that you was did. a lot of fun. Right. I got to meet the neighbor. Yeah, we met the neighbor, yeah. and he he thought that it was the coolest thing in the world oh. that we had all those guys there, and we're doing the things you're supposed to do at camp. You know, yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah, camp's, yeah. everybody's going into the outdoors or taking their boats out. We're all having a good time and a hu- big tournament up there and, and going out and supporting the local economy and all that stuff. He, he loves that. Yeah. You know, he does the same stuff and he's into walleye tournaments and all kinds of different things on the river and has a jet boat there. And he said, if we ever need places to park boats or anything, go to his camp. You know, you always have, you know, there's, you know, place down there. And if uh, the boys from Wisconsin are coming down this year. I've talked and think we'll be able to get the next camp next the the one we share you know the, the area awesome. with yeah uh, opened up too so there will be a place for everybody awesome but go ahead and so yeah so so it was uh you know uh, Jim Jim told you but we kind of had the tease there uh, we were actually just got launched and as we were working our way out to the spot we saw one chase that sucker. Right off the bank, and, and so we sat there and pounded on it for, I don't know, an hour trying to get that fish to move back in. Nothing, and then uh, you know, up and down the shorelines, Jim got that one to move. Um, you know, Bam was throwing everything in the box that we had. We were, we were, we gave it a, we gave a hell. There's no doubt about it. But Beast did what it does. So, how were the shore lunches? Amazing. What'd you guys Absolutely do, amazing. You know, explain and that you out. Were you know, a I was yeah. So I uh, I do this over the top tri- chili. It, it's uh, something that I I'd been working on for the last I don't know four or five years. So long and short is it's the one that Mark calls the five meat chili. Uh, it is there's there's brisket. So I always have to make a brisket and my leftover brisket. I chop it up and then I always uh, I make the base up out of bacon. So there's two. And then we do a three-meat topper. So on the top of it, it has chorizo, sausage, and ground beef. And what you do is you make it in one massive meatball, and you put it above your chili, and you let all the greases from those meats drip down into your chili as you slow cook it for about three or four hours. And uh, that's 
really good. Not good for you, but <laughs> definitely Shit. delicious. Well, <laughs> Easy, <Re> really. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that kidding. was getting ready to head down a direction where you may have gotten fist from him. <laughs> He's getting the lean. I think like, he could do it. Go there. I, yeah, hey, none of us, none of us eat healthy. Uh, shit, I'm the skinniest guy here, but I, I eat, I eat like a hog, man. I, there's not a healthy. That doesn't mean I can't have a heart attack tomorrow too. But oh, none of us down. were out. None of us were out there to live healthy. That weekend, I think we're just trying to live our best lives. Uh, even if we come home and hit the Gotta treadmill, like I know Chris does after every beast, he comes <laughs> oh, home cool. and he starts hitting the treadmill. And <laughs> we're know. sitting here though, just in, and we fried up some deer hot dogs oh, yeah. and recovering them with chili. I mean, yeah. it's not like we do ourselves any favor no. even when we're when we're no, home. No, yeah, we yeah, yesterday yeah. I get a well, double burger with <laughs> pork belly and an egg on it. The boil was phenomenal, as oh, we've yeah. talked about, I, I think, mm -hmm. a half dozen times already. That was absolutely oh, yeah. phenomenal. But I want to give kudos to the Buffalo Boys, and those wings were on point that night. And yeah. that blue cheese oh, was blue. phenomenal. The, that was the best blue cheese oh, ever ate. So good. It was so good. That So at the end of the day, we, we ate like kings. There's no doubt. Fresh yeah. blue cheese is like fresh horseradish. When yeah. It is mm -hmm. good. There's nothing better. I mean, you can just you can put it on anything. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, I they did nailed it. Fresh oh. oh, did you? Yeah. I got some the other day, and it was, mm, they, this too guy, much. This guy uh, grows his own and everything. And yeah, and this one does, too, but he added too much vinegar to it, so yeah. it took the heat out of it, and, like, we always do it. I I eat it as I go, and I love it where I'm, like, teared up, where I'm, like, choking, so I'll just keep backing it down, backing it down, and I'm usually just, like, splash. When I put vinegar in, I'm literally, like, splashing it. I don't pour it. It's... Try to keep that like heat. And that so I've flavor. got a plan at home I haven't cut yet. I oh, actually, I'll help you I'll, with yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say this summer to. I'd like catch up because it's been growing. I need to get it. I need to harvest it. Oh, you will laugh like when I make it because like I'm literally out. I'm choking. I love that stuff oh, so yeah, much. Like I'm just I'm eating spoonfuls of it, and it's just like I <laughs> I absolutely love. It. It's one of my favorite things there is. Is fresh so radish. If uh, Bam uh, and I. Sounds like he plans on coming down as long as he can make it down. But who's your third, if not? Are you guys going uh, to be a same two -man three. team? Bam, Jim, and I again. Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I think I'm calling it out. If if we uh, we can get back on the waters again, that'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, Rick's still alive. So it, looks, <laughs> so it looks like the Urban Fly Cartel. As won. far as I know, yesterday <laughs> he told me I'll be home all day. Call me tomorrow because I said I got to call you, talk to you. What's going on? Okay, I'll be home tomorrow. Call me. That's why I called him at ten. I haven't heard from him. But so, <laughs> as far as we know, he still is. So I, I did have to trade off with my son because that was our salmon trip. Every year we go up Columbus and we go up to the Salmon River up in Syracuse. I've been doing it for eighteen plus years with a good buddy of mine. He's got a camp up there. So this year to trade off though, I ended up taking a day on the water with Ryan Evans and we went up. Uh, up in his neck of the woods, and he showed me a lot of water up there this year. We had a really good time. My son got into a couple of good salmon. He had one on, I thought for sure it was his first. He had it. We watched the video again. Uh -huh. He just dropped his shoulder just enough for that fish to come unpinned as we were coming down the hill with the net. I, 
he was so close to having it, and man, he was heartbroken. But Ryan got him into some good fish. We had a great time. Learned a bunch of water this year with him, and so that was my trade-off. So went to the beast, and then had to do the trade-off to get on the waters with Ryan the following. And you even weekend. did a little trout fishing that we were up there too. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we were trying trying for some browns. Uh, that was low and clear that day. So we didn't have much luck on that one. But did Andrew hook that on fly? Hooked on he spit? did. Nice. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He was, was eight weight. Yeah, it was uh, one of Ryan's rigs. We had brought ours. He was rigged up a little different than what we're used to. Um, you know, the Salmon River's got a lot of CFS, so it's a lot of chuck and duck kind of deal. A lot of lead out there. Huh? Yeah, and and so this these waters hey, were a little bit there different. You go. You can make uh, egg coils. Yeah, <laughs> that'll get it down. <laughs> I, I might <laughs> just make like a big sack with a coil. Just, just let it bounce. Right yeah. on the top. <laughs> Here, chuck this. So I, I'm kind of spoiled up on the Salmon River. My buddy Steve has got a drift boat, so we've been drifting it for about five or six years now. And so you get to see a lot of great water. So it is a great trip. We go up every year, and Andrew is going to get his first salmon. He's very close. He's fought. Like, I've hooked one and handed it to him, and he's brought it on shore. But he hasn't done Has he caught one plugging? Landing. Uh, no, we had... Bad luck plugging the last he didn't couple get one of years. Pl- I thought he got one plugging. Oh, he he ended up busting one off the bridge embankment. <laughs> 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 to which dad's gonna pick on him for the rest of his life over yeah. that one. And, you know? and all your buddies will <laughs> too. Exactly, exactly. You know? He earned that one. Yeah, yeah. Kudos for you for being uh, that kind of dad. And mine was Thanks, too man. to like take take your kid out and and make it a point to take him out on guy trips, like real guy trips. And you know, being around all of us, you know, because we can be some brutal fellas. <laughs> once in a while and oh, you know, he, he loves he, it he lives he learns you know he's and he's you could tell he's oh, matured he's matured he as a tire and his just glory. Uh, yeah he loves it loves, he loves fly it. night he oh, loves yeah. fly night and his rabbits uh, he's got to be going crazy my, my because this one's the, been put off for a couple weeks is. here my dad hooked gets, a couple steelhead on a couple on a couple of his rabbits and that's why he nice. got a couple more off of him last <laughs> time he so loves that. His, his rabbit leech army, as he refers to it as, uh, Ryan hooked him up with a big box, for one of the big boxes for Christmas, and he's been trying to fill it up. And so he has one pattern. Uh, that's he, his go-to pattern, and that's all he keeps tying. But anyhow, he, it's awesome. Uh, and It'll then, work for everything, though. Yeah, this is true. Jay and his dad got us into some hybrids. That was, that was a lot of fun. Andrew oh, yeah. and I have been down there. In the secret spot and <laughs> hooked into a couple of real good fish down there. He loves that. So, yeah, I, I love taking him out. He's my fishing partner. Yeah, you hadn't even caught one that day, and he uh, would threw know, a I he know. threw a fly. Yeah, he he, brought your, he yeah. threw a fly <laughs> on a spinning <laughs> yeah. rod. Uh-huh, there we go. <laughs> he threw a game changer with a weight on it. <laughs> he brought his experienced farming over there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, outfish me again. I'll tell you. No, a couple other times you got down there and you got into oh, yeah. a, a few now, yourself that were really the, really big too. Oh yeah, that was. And a, I looked back at the pictures, or night. the pictures popped up in memories, and I was like. Do Damn, you feel you're a big guy, so that was a good fish. Do you feel though, because you do have like spurts where you don't get to fish for a while, you have tendencies that like you have to try to re-break again, like once you get back to fishing a bit? Oh yeah. The speed. Like for my cast, that's the you know, because I have to take time off for work and everything else, I notice that when I'm casting, I have a tendency to want to rush my cast. So I'm constantly not allowing it to load. Let right, that rod constantly do the work. telling myself you gotta slow and it you down. Got you got a one piece twelve down. weight too. Oh, that that thing's oh, it's, it's a cannon. It's a cannon. Takes a second to load, but once she loads up, man, it's 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 a great rod. Uh, I actually got his two piece eight weight too. 
for down in the honey hole. And it is. And that's another great rod. Tom, thank you. When did you pick that up? Mm, Last, I picked that up last spring, I think. Nice. So I had it down there with Jay this year. That is what I've been using. I mean, I've been doing a little bit of musky. I've caught a couple with it now. Yeah. That's been my go-to pike rod now. That's a great rod. I have been. I used a nine-weight hydros before and other T3s and Orvis nine-weights for, like, a lot of my pike and pickerel. That rod just well, took over. I had that old eight-weight diamondback that I loved. That was my salmon rod. And it's a great salmon rod, but you go to try to load that broomstick up, and it's a pain. So grabbed one of those two pieces, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. You guys are segueing right into uh, kind of one of our next uh, topics, which is some gear talk. We could talk if about. we've if we've learned enough about uh, Derek, have you told us enough? I about think I've, I've you got my whole life in a nutshell there. Okay. <laughs> I want to know, gear talk wise, are you going to bring that Scott out at any point, or is that going to be just off limits for Musty? <laughs> I have to. I, I want to cast it. That's <clears throat> why I'm like, yeah, I want to cast that thing. I do too. I bet you like, really get to dump it <laughs> off the side of the boat. That's exactly right. <laughs> Trolling at Mach Mach Seven. That's that's all we did was just dump it <laughs> off the back of the boat. I mean, I cast it in the yard when I got it. Uh, but I I want to I want to. What are you thinking? What are you thinking for the line five? Or you want to like, still in the stay in the fours? No, I'm going to go five hundred. Five hundred. It's pretty. It's pretty stout. I was feeling because like, like I don't know if you noticed like yesterday like when I was casting and like trying to like. When you're holding a rod and you want to feel how it loads, take your left hand and hold the fighting butt and take your right hand and make a normal cast. Stop to a stop to a stop. You're going to feel where that rod loads right in there from like a little eight-inch pop. Boom, 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 boom. And then you can feel every little bit of them rods in there. And that one, you could definitely tell it's, it's very, very tippy. Like it would do really well with smaller flies. But like it's probably got enough backbone that it can still get into a good, a good enough weight to it. Yeah, I think it'll throw. A, I think it'll throw a double on a five hundred with no problem. Yeah. I mean, I I had that rod bent in half pulling that Dorado up, and it's it's stiff. You didn't hear anything cracking. No, and I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening, and, and, it, and that fish would go under the boat, and I had the drag crank so tight I would just feed line out with my other hand so it didn't. You know, completely yeah. snap it in half. And by Jay's law, you know, how big was that fish? 52 pounds. So now it's, you know, 63. Oh, yeah? By Jay's law. That's a... You know, Jay's law, just, right. you know, they just they just keep... You know, it's official. Next week, <laughs> next two weeks two weeks from now, it's going to be 82 pounds. <laughs> and like, then, uh, you know, seven weeks from now, oh, remember that 103-pounder I caught? That's you know, like, that's, uh, how, that's, how, that's how Jay's <laughs> law works, okay? So... If you live by Jay's like law, it. yeah, you just you just you know you just add a few pounds an inch or two by the time the mm-hmm. fucking fit. it's it's Moby Dick. I caught Moby Dick when I was in the ocean. <laughs> That's like Chad's Pike. Yeah. He's the unofficial, undecided, unanimously, not not real Pike record holder in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Chad. To some it might be, to others it's probably not. So that's why it's un, 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 unanimously undecided. <laughs> there was a whole big long spiel that we had yeah. for it. It was hilarious. But Derek says this his thing. He's like, don't think that's the biggest pike like caught on a fly in PA. It was. We bought it for a while until we realized it was <laughs> wrong. <laughs> it was. It was a big pike. It very well could be. I don't know. It might it be. Damn, it was I don't think nice that one. we still haven't decided it was or found truth that it wasn't, but... Come on, the okay, weights so and scales and metrics, I'm telling you. 
Your what talk, what are we? What, what are we? What were we we're, exactly we're, we're getting hit on gear-wise? No, oh, that was like just in just general. No, just I thought you had something specific you wanted no, to hit no, on. No, no. Like when gotcha. we were talking, we were even in the store, and we got to like touch all the gear. Like I liked touching more than looking at my phone and seeing. I liked being able to pick up a pair of G4 boots and see how much better they felt than mm-hmm. a pair of G3s. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you or I like to see and feel how much better that jacket felt than what I would have thought it might have felt like from looking it at my phone. One I, thing that know? I touched down there that I was like really impressed that I've never got to actually is the new Regal Vice. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is a piece of work there. That's a really nice vice. Mm-hmm. think that's the revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a little pricey. If you get the, uh, the color, it's, I think they're 585 Damn. Yeah, they're, but man, they're, wow. they're nice and but heavy. Now, and that doesn't well. include the, the mag the jaw hit. either, big James jaw. But if, I don't think there's a charge. You can just exchange exactly. it. You can exchange it. So you can get whatever head you want on that. For, I always look at that, man. Price. How sweet would that be? If I got like an orange body with all black out around. Like, oh, that'd be that cool. That would be sick. And when I said being down there, I meant being an international angler. Yeah. Because they, they had a nice vice set up. They had Peak. They had Dyna King, which worked out perfect because I went down there with a C-clamp not thinking, and my C-clamp didn't fit over the edge of the table. Oh, right. I'm like, oh, crap. So I just took a little walk. I'm like, okay, well, this vice is heavy enough. I just grabbed it, walked over, <laughs> popped the vice off, stuck it. I'm like, don't let me forget to give you this thing back. Yeah, they had a couple Renzettis. They had a couple Regals. They had yeah. they had a good vice selection. Mm-hmm. They really I think did. they had a Saltwater Traveler. They had a Presentation 3000 there. Yep. They had all good vices. And they had, they had a Peak. So yep. like you're kind of like a price range one, but that was probably the cheapest one. And then yeah. they had a couple Regals. I think they had a couple kits, too. Yes. Where yeah. you just wanted to get into it. a nice big fly tying selection. They Mostly trout uh, yes. and some smallmouths. Yep. There were a couple. There was like one rack with some... Some heads on it. And, and you know, to, to yeah, their defense. a few stimulators while I was there. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. To their defense, too, like getting natural materials right now, it's almost impossible for fly shops. Right. I mean, it's just, it, you're you're going to get 10 packages. It doesn't matter if it's Guinea, if it's Peacock, if it's whatever. Eight of them are going to be meh, and two of them are going to be good. It's just it, it everything right now. It's it's a, Hopefully, we reach the end of this where it, it turns the other way. But them days of, you know, getting these nice big plumages on a marabou feather that you can palmer with, yeah, you get like three out of 60 feathers. Ouch. And the other 20 feathers are like, look like they're burnt. And then you get some medium ones that are like, I can work with this, but it's not going to be that great. It's just. Yeah, I was happy to be in a fly shop to try on waders. Yeah. You know, I'm 6'4", 3'15", 3'20". So, and I'm all torso height. So, my inseam's 30 inches. Did they have full yeah, size you, you waders have, in your size? You have shorter they legs did. than I have. Yeah, I have shorter legs than you. So, when I try on waders, when I'm putting on two XLs, uh, I, they look like hammer pants, and I can't get over a log or in and out of a boat or anything like you that. You turn into Humpty Dumpty. That's right. Your <laughs> <laughs> skull's off the side of your raft. <laughs> he goes to stand up and you just see him roll off the side. <laughs> <laughs> and, there and there, Chris. There's so Put much. Put your head up. <laughs> there's so much air in the legs oh, that he's just that he's just floating upside down. I'm a big screaming bobber. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need you for the Niagara. <laughs> put like an orange stripe around them. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, th- but yeah, that's no, nice. They was, have was, that sizes nice. too. Well, I the other thing is I wanted, I wanted to look at boots. Uh, and 
They had so many. You could see the the big thing for me with with fishing boots is how much do they weigh? Yes. You know, years yeah. ago they were focused more on features, and you had a five pound boot on each foot. Pretty. And now they're figuring out we need to go lightweight, keep the the soles relatively light. Vibrant still be soles. Tough. And yeah. you know what I like yeah. too is I like that firm stiffness, like up above the ankle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that when you're climbing up a hill, you can just get your toe dug right in and just climb right up. Or like a lot of times the terrain's going to be off. Having that, re- or even waiting, getting yourself planted and holding there, having a boot that holds you up above the ankle and just has a nice firm feel to it. It's nice to be able to get in there and see with each one because some of them they pinch, and when you get them nice and tight. The way that theirs are, it doesn't fit right with like how your ankle is, and other ones will fit in there well, and you have like a nice firm, you know, foundation to stand in. Oh no, you think of those freestone pants, the waiter pants. I was eyeballing them. I was almost, I almost bought those here recently. I'm excited to get out in them. I mean, I I wore them around the store for five minutes just to see how they felt, and I'm optimistic about them. Yeah, you were, and you were one of like. Honestly, three or four guys who probably tried on waders in the couple hours yeah. that Mark and I were there hanging out. Yeah, uh, they had they had a, the guy was serious about wanting to get a good setup. And oh man, they had him out casting in. It was freezing. It was freezing cold. It wasn't warm at all. It was twenty degrees. That, but he's out there casting in the little bit of lawn they got out front, you know, and just getting good instruction from the people there. It was it was pretty cool to see. And uh. I bought a bunch of little flies, some gank. These guys, if I talk any more about it, you know, Mark's head's going to explode. He doesn't want to hear about dry flies and, <laughs> you know, no, nymphs. Was, and no, it was, no, I, I had to grab a few I was looking at I, him right there with you. I was like, hey, Jay, images. you just need this one. Jay, we need, you need this one. Well, we're talking about that, uh, our Wisconsin trip coming up. And uh, I got to save up for when we get to Muskie Fool. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd lose my entire bank account. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Dan take it all. Oh, I just I know how my that feels. Last <laughs> <Yeah>. night <laughs> that we're going to Wisconsin. That so. was bold. Yeah, I said. Given the uh, weekend you had, that was, was like, bold. I was like, uh, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Wisconsin with those guys. Uh, <laughs> probably gonna burn all the rest of my vacation days. Um, and now we just we're speaking of dates about things we're gonna do. Uh, oh boys. Hopefully, uh, the beast is the thirteenth and fourteenth. Well, I guess I if it's I if as long as it's not the week end after that, it would be great. It's usually the second weekend of October, and that is the second weekend of October. I leave for uh, that's I leave for Disney on the fifteenth. So you know we will be talking. You know I vote for the last weekend in September. Well, <laughs> Treelands. Oh. Treelands just uh, did Treelands different. just moved their tournament. To September twenty eighth to the thirtieth. So they yeah. did move. All right. They they did move it. So Beast will probably be the thirteenth, fourteenth, the second week in October. It's what it is every year. Yeah. Well, that that would be great. I and mean, it won't interfere with Apple Fest this year either. Yeah. I'll just have to leave uh, Saturday night after the festivities. Hey Ryan, looks like I'll be calling you up again. We'll be chasing some <laughs> salmon up in your neck of the woods again. <laughs> I I honestly think the Beast could be the the third weekend in October. Because we've had some real... And that would be terrible, because I won't be there then. Yeah, he's going to be up on the river. Because I will be, you know, on... Uh, what's 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 the good roller coaster down there? Oh, M- Mountain... Um, oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't, Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain. I don't mean this year, I just mean in general. Because that would give us three, four weeks between Treelands and the Beast. So if you're a family man, 
you can really work your magic and go to both. And we've had some real warm weather at the beast. You know, we've had that end of that beginning of fall heat and some bad windstorms. And the later in October, you can do it. The more the weather could be rainy and cold, but oh, we had a great so end of October down here. It sucks yeah. for camp. Yeah, it could mm. suck for camp. You know, for the festivities at camp and the way we do it, just hanging out there. I'm just stealing a little make it heater a little when I get there and put <laughs> something in the back room. Get a heater no, and a tarp. There's, there's and we'll plenty of that. There's wood. And, I mean, there's there's wood burners and oh, heaters yeah, and everything. True. I'm not worried about the the heat inside. I'm just saying, as far as you know, the outdoor festivities and cooking. You know, we yeah. we do like that early fire October kind of bigger. weather. Tarp. Just bigger fire. <laughs> Gaggle of tarps. Couple More pop wood. up tents. We'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, we'll, we'll make it. it we'll make it happen. But um, uh, I'm pretty sure they're not going to change the date of the beast just based on me saying I'd prefer it to be then. <laughs> well, hey, this year let's keep it the 13th, 14th just for uh, safekeeping because uh, Jay has to go out of town and he doesn't want to miss. If, you, if you're listening, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> well, uh, and it's probably already in stone because they, they put it on the Muskies Inc. calendar and that goes out in December. Yeah. Well, I think they locked the brewery down before they even leave. Don't they? Yeah, we could call the brewery. Yeah, they'd know. Or ask Dixon. Mm. He'd probably know. Yeah, that well. too. <laughs> <laughs> What's next on the agenda there, Jay? Musky Max. And Musky uh, Max. I want to I want to talk a little bit about what Mark's going to offer and what, ev- what you know, you guys, are, you've been there. You were there last year. I wasn't. Guy like me is going to go to Musky Max. You going to come down this year? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to come down to, you know, shake some hands and kiss some fucking babies, right? I mean... I'm not gonna buy a musky lure, but you know, um, don't bring your babies is what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hide your kids. <laughs> Jay's here. Poke their eyes out with his nose. Yeah. Yes. Not, not, <laughs> no <laughs> longer child. There will be blind babies. <laughs> that's right. Toucan Sam's gonna hit you in the eye. <laughs> what happened to your eye? Guy picked it out. Some 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 weird guy. So when is Musky Max this year, Mark? March fourth and fifth. Okay, cool. Where is it? Cannonsburg, the Princescape Arena in Cannonsburg. Cool. So I don't know the times yet. Still not 100% on that, but it's going to be March 4th and 5th. Awesome. I'll have a little bit of everything. Nice. I'm going to do some more, a couple more of the gear side of things for the bigger gear flies. Um, I'm going to have a couple options too for attachments, which will be new this year. Ooh. Buddy Ryan's going to be hooking me up with a couple things to nice. bring down there. Uh, probably do a handful. There's going to be some show color type different things and some newer flies, but a lot of the mainstay, but a lot of new stuff. So I'm going to hit and make sure I have everything that like sold last year, make sure I've got that covered, and then add a lot of new stuff from there too. Cool. So don't miss it. So you're going to have those sweet uh, flies with, you're going to throw a little weight on mm-hmm. with the split ring. Yep, the then we'll be there. Oh, yeah. For sure. I got yeah. one. I've been messing with some today uh, in the three-piece with Foxy Brush up at the head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. I wanted to ask you about that because you, nice. you grabbed that down there, too. I did. Uh, that was something that, like, I've, I'm, I'm trying to incorporate different types of brushes in. Uh, there's a few things I'm trying to do with my flies, and I've figured out how I want to work the newer ones, and that's all working. So now I'm trying to add different options in, too. I've got two different collars, and I wanted one more in the middle. But I've also got another fly I'm working that I want, like, a thick wrap for a head. So I started to play with some brushes, but you don't really get to see much. I don't have time to make them. I have all the stuff. I've made them. I've made hundreds. I don't have time to do them anymore. 
So I'm looking through the different kinds, and you, you see them in a magazine, but until you get them in your hands. And, like, even these ones, seeing them in the package and taking them out of the package is still different than what I thought it was going to be. So it's like, okay, well, this isn't going to work for this, but wait, this fits this one perfect. So now I've got upper column, I've got the lower bottom part of the column, and now this fits right for the middle with this one. Nice. So it kind of gives you three different options, and it looks really good on there, too. It's a three-inch fox, fox hair. It sure There's did. a little bit of flash in it, but yeah, it looks dang good. So it's going to have three options for the head, and they're all going to be a little bit different, but things swims stupid good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, something found there is kind of cool, but I'll have them down there. Just it's a little bit of everything, so I'm definitely going to make sure to hit. I kept track of everything I took last year, what all was kind of the hit, and then what I really got asked a lot for, and what I got asked most of is, can I cast these on a gear rod? I probably had more than 30 people ask that, so I'm going to try to hit that a couple different ways to accommodate. Why not? Yeah. You know, it's still the same fly. I'm just putting extra weight in there so these guys can cast them out there now. Nice. I like it, man. Options for everybody. Throw a yep. throw a shank and a blade on there. Now we're really talking. Okay. At the end of the day, I'm doing this full time. I'm downstairs tying all day, every day. If I can hit another avenue of people to keep growing the business, heck yeah. Why not? It's another group of people to catch muskies on my flies. I'll gladly do so. That's it. Get um, at it, brother. It's uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, where's uh, where's all the lines get drawn? And we'll talk about well, this. I don't one even day. think that's not even drawing no, a line. No, 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 that's just, just saying, straight like, like here. Now it's like a tire. That's a benefit. Yeah. That's a business. Sure, aspect. sure, sure. But like, like for me to grow that even further, I mean, look at like the wedge. By the time I get back to messing with that again, it's going to be a solid seven months in between the time I've tied that fly. Right. So I mean, this fly started two years ago, and it's just there's. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like this one progressed quicker. I knew I had a fly that had been working. I can work with it. It got to here. It's like, okay, this one can roll. You get out there, it fishes, does what it does. It catches fish. Boom, it's ready. And it's like other ones you got to keep tweaking. You got to mess with and you got to do this. I got so many other ones back in the hopper to get finished up before I start moving anymore. It's like, here's a couple good options that will work for gear. They do work. Roll with these. It'd be, I'd be hard-pressed, short of moving into coils to really... I could move the coils and do some different things, which would be neat. I got way too many flies to still I need to finish first. And by the time I'm done finishing them, I'm not going to have time to even think about tying coils because I've probably got 300 flies on order right now. Yeah. So, and we got to so fish. Speaking of yeah. musky max, like, do you find, and being you've been at other shows before that were more fly-oriented, you know, and make it this show that has, you know, a mixture, do you find more of the gear guys being more fly-curious than... You know, maybe the guy who's a trout fisherman or you're, what you're going to see mostly at some of these fly fishing shows being more musky curious. You know, how, how do you see that going, Mark? There's actually quite a few avenues there because you have the gear people that are curious and they want to use it as a avenue when it's effective and they're trying to find the benefit of it. You have your gear people that just don't know, not period. I'm not interested to have nothing to do with it. That's probably the majority of them. But you do have probably about 25 30% that are looking at it as how do I benefit from this? And some of them are looking at how do I make it harder to move over. The fly side of things, in, in my opinion, as a business side of it, as a strictly business side of it, the reason I go to the musky shows is because I would rather target and work with these people. 
they are already understanding of how musky and musky fishing is, where when you're targeting and you're working with trout people, that is a completely different mindset. That is a whole new ball game. You pick up a fly like Chris is holding that's 14 inches after you've been throwing dry flies, it's it boggles their mind. And a lot of people <laughs> want to do it, and then after they go out once or twice, they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. This just isn't fun. This is labor-intensive. Where the people that are already musky fishing, they're fully aware of that. They know what they're going into. So you, you already take one big obstacle out of the way. When you're working in a scenario like that, it's just it's hard for me because I'm, I'm first having to overcome another hurdle before we get to, the, you know, even that. So, yeah, that's, I, I would prefer to go to the actual musky shows myself. Um, but then again, I haven't been to any of the big, large fly shows. To, you know, I can't speak on that. I, I very well could do all there. I don't know. I've never been to them. I don't know. I've been to some of the smaller fly shows. Yeah, I used to go to the big the big fly shows uh, when it was still in Somerset, New Jersey, and mm-hmm. one up in uh, in Massachusetts, and they were. And they still hold all of them. The fly fishing oh, they show. Do. They're, they're going on right now. Edison and uh, yep. Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Lancaster and has one. This I think year. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think there's four of them. And there's one. Is it Mar- Mar- Marlboro? Marlboro, Massachusetts. Yeah, I think that's it. Yep, and that's one I I used to go to that one, and I used to go to the Somerset one. But I haven't been to one of those in years, and they were almost completely trout. Almost 100%. I mean, even the salt water there. Well, the funny thing is, is there was a group of guys at the Musky Max last year that set up there. They never sold a musky net until the last day of the Musky Max, but they had sold like five musky nets at the Edison show. Hmm. You just don't know. Yeah, that's exactly it. You just don't know. I mean, I did well there last year, so I definitely am. I mean, I want to go back every year. I got to meet a lot of people. There's guiding opportunities there. I had people that I did guide from it. So I'm definitely going to keep going back to it, but you really don't. You don't know. Mm-mm. Like the year I went to Cabin Fever. The year before, it was all musky-wise because they had a musky speaker. The year I went, they had Tommy Lynch. I got looked at like I had 10,000 heads. <laughs> so, Chris, you'll be there on Sunday? I'll be there on Saturday. I'll okay. be there Saturday. So you, and then I'll then be I'll there have, on Sunday. Yeah, because okay. Raz okay. will be there both days. Okay. And then So I'll have to drink booze with Raz. Oh, shucks. Well, if you want to, because we always... Have a fire hang, or always. Last year we had a fire hang out there. Probably come down Saturday night. At where? Razzes. Oh, cool. Up to yeah. So then you make can just, that happen because it's not like an early or anything. I think like the well, the second day might not start till ten. It's like ten to five maybe. Yeah, and you're already set up. Yeah, it's and setup's pretty easy. I'm gonna try to do a little more this year. I just don't have the time to build a better setup. Hmm. It works. Yeah, next time you come through town, you got to stop and check out the. I got. I next own, time I, I come through town is going to be after the show, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's in. Crap! It's already in a month. Yep. I got a lot of time to do. Hmm. Yeah. Better get in that basement as opposed to. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to. It's like I've been fishing. That's <laughs> all I've been doing is time. Well, speaking got? of an. Oh. Yeah, another tire. We got. Yeah, speaking of another guy who's tying, we have a. Well-known name coming in from out west to our area. Uh, Kelly Gallup will be in the Pittsburgh area. He'll be at uh, Cabin Fever on the 26th, and he'll be at the International Angler on the 25th of February. February. So that's coming up quick. Yeah, and he's going to tie two or three flies down there as a demo at International Angler. And it's earlier in the day. 
I want to say it's one o'clock or three o'clock. I was talking to Derek, not you, Derek, other Derek, about it, and I think it was one, but don't quote me on it. Call the shop uh, and find out because you'll want to get a seat too. You'll want to yeah. reserve your seat. Yeah, it's gonna be because it's not. Shop. It's not, you know, a, a convention hall or anything like that. There's no, it it's sure wasn't. Be, yeah, it's yeah. gonna be packed. It's gonna be packed for sure. Man, what and what a talker! What a good guy to talk to. He, man. Like I said, when I visited their shop, it was just wonderful. He was, the guides were ripping us out of the shop because he was just talking away <laughs> and just having good times, telling stories and all good times. I'm going to try like hell to make it dude. down there. Cause I, I called him there awesome. about a week ago to kind of see what the agenda was he had going on. That's how it was. You just call in and just, hey, blah, 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 blah. next thing I know, it's like 25 minutes later. We're, he's like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, you remember, you need to get going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm like, all right, we'll let you get going now. And I'll get back to working here. We'll we'll get back in touch again. But you just, as soon as you get talking to him, every time you call in and it's just like 25, 30 minutes later, and he's just telling stories and he's so much fun. Good I'm boy. hoping I can get down there with you, but my wife leaves the 18th for like three weeks. That's right. So between what my daughter's got going on and my tying, if I can keep up with everything and I'm doing all right, I'm going to try. But if I'm lagging a little behind, I'm probably going to have to stay home and tie. I will not be there. You're well, running out of passes. I, Chris I, I, is I, like, I, if I go to one more, <laughs> if I go to one more event, I'm going to own IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting more expensive because today she hit me with the pottery barn. No. Oh man. man, easy cheap. <laughs> bad, bad, Bed Bath and Beyond. You guys are going all the way. Oh, oh Bed Bath and Beyond might not be around much longer. They just defaulted on their credit line two Alex. weeks ago. Oh well. Maybe little, you'll be getting some clearance Bed Bath & Beyond instead. Maybe. There's a little stock tip for you. If you own Bed Bath & Beyond, don't anymore. Don't, <laughs> don't anymore. <laughs> no. We have uh, a lot. There's been a lot of events coming up. They're putting uh, the we International Angler. If you're on. in the Pittsburgh area, look for their um, FT3 as well. Uh, you know, If you're not trying to go too far, I know they're putting on an event as well for the FT3s, but... We are putting on an FT3. Chris staying is in this on week, though, real quick, before you get to okay. that event, staying in this week, Friday is fly tying night. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's right. This year has been so hard because we've been trying to do it like, at the end of the month, and it got switched to the first part. and Because they were holidays. Yeah, yeah, now we're just looking for, okay, what's the best date for everybody? Because we've been getting decent crews. I mean, it's been 12 to 20 people around or yeah, something. It's, been, it's awesome. been a lot of fun. So this one will be this Friday the 10th. But nice. Yeah, I've your, met a lot of cool people this year. Yeah. Uh, at the new tie, at the all the new people at the tying night, pretty cool. Your uh, your young buddy, uh, yeah, Derek, he'll be there. He said he couldn't come the seventeenth weekend, but he, if it was a tenth, he could come. So he'll yeah. be there. Cool. Uh, Shane, uh, I'm sure Shane, will, Derek, or, not, sure. or not Devin, Derek. I'm sorry, Devin. Devin. Okay, yeah, okay, gotcha. Sorry, Derek will be there too. Yeah. My buddy Derek will be there too. Well, actually, Maybe. I'll be in Florida, so we're, I'm gonna have right. to miss this one. Are you are you gonna be tarpon fishing? Okay. I wish. An award. I wish. Yeah, won an award, and then I'm going down. My parents are down there, so I'm gonna spend a couple of days in Tampa, probably boozing with my dad. You won an award for what? Congratulations. We're ah. just gonna congratulate you already. Uh, safety, uh, safety ambassador. So I, I am. I'm going down and, and got one for, for my whole division. So nice. First hey, one. Good if for you can get, if you can get a day to fish, I got a buddy down in Tampa that's a guide. I would love to. I've got a, a captain down there, a friend as well, and he keeps bugging me to come down. Well, I've got to get down. I'd, I got to get down there. I'd love to catch a shark on a fly. That would be 
Yeah. Awesome. Right now, the Reds and the Snooks are pretty good. That'd be awesome. I was just talking to Brian. So I'm in Houston a lot, too. Barrack. That's yeah. the other. I want to I get a bull over in Houston one of these days. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we're doing the fly fishing film tour uh, in Franklin on April 22nd. We talked about it last week, but we're going to talk about it again this week. It's going to be at the Barrow Civic Theater. Uh, but prior to the event, we are going to meet at Trails to Ales 2, their production facility. They're shutting it down for the day for us. They're going to brew us a special beer. We're going to have casting instruction. We're going to have tying instruction. We're going to have a couple vendors there. I think Cortland's coming down. Mark's doing the tying instruction. Mark is going to do some musky tying instruction. Uh, I'm, I think we'll have a, probably a trout guy there too, because there will be trout fishermen there. And, uh... Yeah, and then afterwards, we're going to go back to the brewery for an after party. It's going to be awesome. Tickets are 25 bucks. They're not on the website yet. Uh, I don't know why, but they're not, but they will be. So uh, we'll let you know on this podcast when tickets are available, but we'd love to see you. You know, we're, we're, hoping, we're hoping to make this a pretty big event this year and then make it an annual event from here on out. You said April 22nd? April 22nd. That's good. It's going to be nice and warm by yeah, then. That'd be great. So. That, that was the goal. We... we we wanted to do it towards the end of the exclusivity before it goes digital because it goes digital in May or June. So we wanted to do it then so that we could still be outside, uh, do some casting, do some just BSing outside around the fire pits at the brewery, and it'll be a good time. Yeah. Looking I cannot wait. Yeah. If you want to see me in my in my, all my glory, <laughs> getting drunk as <laughs> woo. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, yeah. We'll be, we'll be rambling away. <laughs> give you the whole way across the theater. I know where Jay's at. Where's Jay? Everybody, stop talking for a second. Oh, there he is. So we'll keep updating you as I know more about when you can get tickets for that. That'll be an awesome time. So, got one more thing coming up next weekend. I I I want to talk. Are we going to have a podcast or not? You said no. I won't be here. No. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll, we'll take next week off for the Super Bowl, and then we'll come back following week. Better than ever guest, I'm sure. We'll have, we have, Mark, we'll, we'll talk to somebody. We'll, we'll get everything lined up. I'm sure we'll be able to, and if we don't, I'm sure by then we'll have plenty of content ourselves. Yeah, you guys will talk about the Super Bowl for at least. Chris and I are going to go fish right? Tuesday morning. Yeah. We got a good moon, good weather. We're going to fish. Be rain in the morning? Yes, please. Cool. So. I could test out those leaders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll work good because then I'll take tails out Monday night. We'll yeah. get back a little after lunchtime and I'll just process tails. I'll know. go right to work. I'm going to fish in a suit and brand new waders. You know, <laughs> uh, you, you had to mention something, though. I mean, if you want to get keep going with that, that's fine. I was say, you, don't, you need to, the pants will be good. You don't need, we're not getting in the water. Yeah, I won't wear pants. <laughs> Breaking in the new waiters properly, apparently. Sorry, you mentioned something um, that you wanted to me to, you know, start posting about and maybe trying to get a little more. Uh, just talk about what happened in the podcast on the uh, on the social media page. Yeah, and, uh, there was a lot of talk. Of even there was a lot of chat back and forth on the Instagram post today. Um, but yeah, we'll, we're gonna post tomorrow uh, on the Facebook, and uh, you know, if we want to get into some. If people want to hear something else, if other questions were wanted to have, you know, he seems like a very interactive guy himself. Uh, 
you know, let, I would like to open up a little open forum, you know, where we can maybe get, you know, chatting back and forth. Maybe something, you know, if, if you if the levels weren't right, tell Chris he's an idiot. It's not my fault. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? If, yeah, if, yeah. if, if there are things that you want to hear, if there are things we left out, you felt like if they're if, if the levels aren't good or if this wasn't good or if the you know, we could have better connection or anything that you guys could critique us where we can get a little better or just the content of the podcast, you know, a little back and forth with that would be just wonderful for us. You know, it, 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 us with the, you know, just getting a, a guideline of where, what, you know, what we're putting out there and how, how people are responding to it. I feel like would be nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, agreed. You know, this is, this is my third time on and, you know, we're still working through some kinks uh, tonight. You're going to notice uh, we're going to have some audio issues with tonight the interview. Was an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, a, nobody in this room is a computer guy. But uh, no. we figured it out, I think. Yeah, you did. Good job. Yeah. So other than that, you'll notice, critique us on other things. And and don't forget, we love compliments. So. <laughs> 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 and, I, oh, and I felt like even when we were down, you know, in Pittsburgh, a lot of compliments and a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, yeah, people really liking it, and people asking about it, and people. I've, I got a, a couple guys asked me where they could find it and what it was that we've awesome. seen at the show uh, the other night. Or Mark's, you know, uh, Bucktail Extravaganza. Uh, yeah, Extravaganza. We'll call it. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. So thank so you. Yeah. So good. thank you everybody so much for. And if you're not on the Facebook page, it is the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast on Facebook groups. Answer the questions. Uh, they're really easy, really easy. I just want to make sure you're not a robot. And uh, that's it. You know, we'd love to have you on the page. He even made me answer the questions, so. <laughs> and, and one of them was, how big is Jay's nose? And I said, all of it. I mean, I don't know, like 17 inches. Uh, no, but let's get to some Super Bowl picks. Um, fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, yeah, okay, so okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me write it down. Let me write it down. We got, we got more... You know, he's running our there there is okay. snowball okay. chance right. in hell of me. Go ahead, Derek said that. Eagles. Okay, we got Eagles. You know, I'm no chance. I'm rooting for the Eagles. <laughs> You're going Chiefs. I Old hate Muhammad. to root for the Chiefs, but I can't root for the Eagles. Chiefs. You're going Chiefs as well. Okay. I hate the Eagles so much too, and I'm, I'm I have to go Chiefs as well. I, Patrick uh, Mahomes is that dude, man. He mm. really is. He's gonna end He's up hurt. being that dude. I, we'll sit and watch. I him hate to see hurt. it because we'll sit and watch him dance around the backfield like Tinkerbell again. I'm <laughs> I'm butthurt as this guy is because I'm I'm a everybody that listens to this podcast knows I love me some Joe Burrow, and I'm butthurt that you know in four games against that guy, that dude. He's, you know, he's up three field goals to one field goal. You know, that every game was decided by three. So, I think that the offense with Mahomes is just too much. I'm going Chiefs as well. Man, if we were allowed to play music, I would have put some Sarah McLaughlin on for you. You were crying <laughs> about Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to be curious to see I love how, him. I'll be curious to see how Hurts holds up. I am. Yep. They've got a better defense than people think. Their yeah, defense is phenomenal. Defense is mean. They're a lot better than they were last year. But I tell but you what, Canada Eagles defense is good too. We finally got some cornerbacks. In the Eagles defensive line Chiefs. is good. 
Chiefs, you mean? No, the, the Eagles, Eagles defensive yeah. line is really good so as well. Eagles offensive line yeah, is where yeah. we make our money. Kelsey. Yeah. Are you are you a, are you an Eagles fan? I am an Eagles oh, fan. Oh, you're an actual Eagles fan. <laughs> is that the <laughs> Oh jeez. Is that the from Oh Scranton? wow, there we go. Oh, huh? this is great. Born and raised in Scranton? I was. I was the eastern half, so I come yeah. come by it naturally. So Oh well hell. Fuck them. But yeah. you don't no, seem like sorry. the typical <laughs> Eagles fan. You haven't hit us with a bottle yet. No, or no, no, no. Did it, you grease any poles on the way here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> night's young. The night is young. <laughs> the week is early, right? Hey, I am getting my cheesesteaks. They're getting flown in. Wife uh, hooked me up for the Super Bowl. I'm excited about that. Pat, yeah. Pat's cheesesteaks. You're going to burn down your neighbor's house. I will. <laughs> how, do you, how do you like the new? How do you like the coach? How, how do you like? I mean, the new team. The the GM did a wonderful job uh, putting the team together. But phenomenal. how do you like the coach? Uh, I love the coach, but at the end of the day, like it was Hurts and Sanders' years. Like they had to show up, or it was time to change. So, and they both showed up this year. So we'll see. I don't know if we're gonna be able to keep Sanders because of the money. You know, he's gonna want a lot more this year. So we'll we'll see what happens in, in 2023, 24. But right awesome, dude. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you're an Eagles fan, and we're talking about it. that's good stuff. They shouldn't implode like the Rams did, though. No. Oh. That was ugly. That team was structured to win last year. That was it. This is true. We talked about it a little before. Pats or Genos? Pats. Pats? I'm a Pats uh, guy, I'm too. I'm a Pats. I've only been to... Tony DeLucas is good, too. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the role that makes the Philly cheesesteak. I've said that more than once. It's Yeah, I'm excited about getting my cheesesteaks. No doubt. Mm. Man. I lived in Chicago for less than a year, and we still have Portillo's shipped over. Yeah. Uh, and that's... Those hot dogs and that Italian beef, it's. I would put up it up against the cheesesteak any day, the the I'll Chicago Italian beef. Yeah, that guy. I, I like both. both. So I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you look like you you I take both. Kicking either out of bed. <laughs> I ain't kicking either out of bed. No, I, I I love it all. I I'm a, I'm a Philly guy. I'm a, I love cheesesteaks more than anything. And if I go out, I'm I'm getting a, a, even a French dip. Yeah. My kind of oh, just I kind of oh, I love that kind of sandwich. I had a cheesesteak last night. Yeah. At uh, what was the name of that place? Timber Creek. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Timber Creek's a good spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fire. They're f- they do the uh, the oven roasted yeah, pizzas. Yeah. yeah. The oven roasted. Oh man, fire whatever oven piece. Yeah. Pretty good beers too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they've oh, got man. their seasonal that grizzly bear that nut porter. Yeah. Or the nut brown. <laughs> Oh, so good. Jay. Would I Jay call you if I met you out? Does that really does that <laughs> really taste like root beer? A grizzly bear. <laughs> yeah, Jay, it's root beer. <laughs> oh. It's not like beer? Like, no, it's like, root beer, I'm Jay. Like, <laughs> it tastes like root beer. I'm like, oh. what? I was like, what in the hell kind of beer do they serve with fucking you know, ice in a straw? And he's like, it's root beer. I'm like, oh, it's actually root beer? root beer. I'm like, is there alcohol in it? <laughs> no, Jay, I'm, I'm drinking root beer. I'm like, oh well, good for you. Okay. I'll, t- I'll take that one. <laughs> they have homemade root beer there, too. Yeah, yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really good stuff. Yeah. And then you guys took me home, and Jay had his uh, first shot of Pappy. <laughs> and he handled it like a seven-year-old girl. Oh, my God. That's I'm the like, best I'm way like, to put it hey, in. Hey, Mark. He he's like, oh. hey, Mark. He's like, you, you want to help me with this? You want to help me with this? <laughs> I ended up drinking the whole thing. You threw one ice cube in it, and I handled it okay. Yeah. But it's... I'm a guy who like oh with, I'm like guy who like I'll have a Manhattan and, and and I like to roll the ice the big ass ice cube around for quite a while. It was funny you, you know, looked at me. I was like, buddy, here's here's you know we've got it here. You've never had Pappy. Here's a Pappy twelve year. 
and you pick it up and you look at me and you're like, do you put ice in your drinks? <laughs> Chris is like, this is and going like, downhill bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but I will. <laughs> it puts, it puts uh. one, one s- like normal sized like refrigerator ice cube in this thing goes clink. And <laughs> That's all. There you go. And I'm like, all right, all right, this, this is better. Um, it's getting better as the ice cube melts. And no, it, you know, I just had to warm up to it. It was a good drink. It tasted very good. I warmed up to it. I'm about to drink some of this right now. What'd you bring tonight, man? Uh, bullet rye. We're we're bringing. Uh, man, we've had a lot of bourbon around. Uh, you know, surprisingly, have I haven't corner. been. S- my wife hasn't found me sleeping on the floor, or passed out in the fetal position down here. Uh, but I didn't get into any of it. I've left it alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my. Well. It's not my alcohol. So. Uh, but wow, we've already killed a bottle I was of four say, roses. I finished that four roses. It was delicious. Yeah, and that was the four roses uh, small batch select, which is, it's you know it's hundred and four proof. It's, no, it's tasty. tasty. Yeah, it's tasty though. It's real good. But today you brought the bullet rye. Bullet rye. Oh, last week, last week, knob your knob nine creek. Yeah, uh, knob knob creek nine, nine year. year. And then in two weeks, good I, stuff. I got to bring a bottle of Russells. I'm going to grab something, too. Nice. We're starting to build our little collection. we got to get our shelf in here. Yep. Yeah. We're going to do gonna, like gonna a hanging a shelf. shelf. we got to have one for the good and one for the soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we'll do a shelf. We'll figure that out. i got to patch the rest of that wall up. Might put a shelf there or here, over here to the left. You know what or we should do? We should take a bottle and fill it from every place that we fish. And then put the empties with them. Oh yeah, a little river water. And then lake see water, what like all water. like after we're done, like all of the different water in there, like how it looks different. Till like three months later, and be like, "What's that smell?" <laughs> yeah, make sure that that make sure the top the stays tops in are there. nice and yeah. tight. Yeah. <laughs> see how many different bottles we can fill and collect from the different places. How many yeah, strains of Giardia we can yeah. have? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that stuff's the worst. I got that when I was younger. Oh, yeah, I had swimming it. in a pond with cows and stuff. Hunting. I had it twice. Oh boy! When I was a cable guy, we were walking through uh, a place that shall not be named. Uh, I just reached down and took a handful of creek water. I was, oh, I, was pulling, I was pulling a trunk a trunk <laughs> line, which is the big silver lines you see yeah. up there pulling it through the woods. And I went to college uh, like two weeks later. I was an RA. It was a bad, bad, bad experience. But I didn't know if I was sick or if I was just getting back used to college cafeteria food. Because they both have the same effect for like the first <laughs> week. <laughs> Mark, you had to have swam in, the, you had to have swam in uh, niches. At the rope swing before. No. It's that's all pretty local to all of us too. No. Never do that? Up mm-hmm. off uh like the actual um what would it be? I know where you're talking, but no, yeah, I never Bethel did. Creek, Nishana mm-hmm. Creek? Mm-hmm. No, never did. Oh man, that was a good place. I'm surprised I never got it out of there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. you'd know you'll know when you get it. Mm-hmm. It sure <laughs> will. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Hundred percent. That was oh gosh. Yeah. Country living. Country living. But yeah. hey, on covered, that note, covered a good bit. Yeah, and uh, in a couple weeks, I think we're gonna do. We'll probably have another smokers corner. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit of food. Um, like I said, hopefully we'll have another guest lined up. If not, we won't. We'll we'll let everybody know on the social medias, and uh, can't wait. Get back to you guys again. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, nice dude, thanks show. for coming.
Brought to you by Sims Fishing, A-Rex Hooks, Yeti, Built for the Wild, and Cortland Lines. Friends of the show, Ryan Evans, Queen City Guiding, Michael Davis at Down to Earth Wealth Management, Tom Shank uh, at Chippewa River Customer, Custom Rods, Muskie Fool, and a special thanks to International Angler for having us down last night, having mar- marked down. It was a really, really good time. So thanks again, guys. This was brought to you live in the Urban Fly Company Studios.